morning. Welcome to episode number 198 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on March the 12th, 2023. My name's Eric, host of the show based in Southern Ontario, hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. As a first responder, witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events, started a uh, small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. And I'm Jeff. I am based in Central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, ham radio operator, general overall handyman, and weather nerd. And I'm Brad. I'm in Eastern Ontario, part-time amateur prepper, constantly trying to better myself. Uh, my name is Pierre. I'm a part-time wannabe prepper, tactical beard owner, based t-shirt version, government critique, and the reason we mostly hit the explicit button. Can't argue with that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you should have been on the first part of this chat. <laughs> the, the, pre- <laughs> the pre-show was spicy. Agreed. Oh, yeah. All right, we've got a Frugal Gunny with us tonight. If you want to do a quick intro, by all means, you can. Thank you. Um, so I go by Frugal Gunny on YouTube, and that's because I actually have a professional career in IT, and uh, I'm using this brand to promote my content out there. So I'm a member of uh, a couple of different uh, mutual assistance groups, and um, I've been living in my off-grid cabin for most of the last year, and it's uh, up in northern Ontario, not too far from Kirkland Lake. Um, I never really considered myself or called myself a prepper until a few other people started calling me that a few years back. Um, I myself have been kind of doing the, the gradual process of going off grid since about 2010. Um, I started heavy army cadet training as a young lad. Um, I ended up leading my skillet arms team to third place uh, finish in uh, central area competitions. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, I had a ton of fun. I learned a whole, a whole lot of different skills: uh, marksmanship, mapping compass, uh, navigation, um, various different survival methods, survival thinking, field craft of all kinds. You know, building survival shelters, uh, things like that. First aid, uh, and what we used to call GMT, general military training. Military training. And uh, I got the chance to teach that and reinforce that with uh, this team of cadets, and uh, we did really well. And then as soon as I figured out that I could get paid to do this stuff, uh, I joined the reserves, and I was a sapper for a while, a combat engineer. And uh, there I went through Arctic indoctrination, and that was probably the biggest eye-opener, was Arctic indoc in terms of how to survive in the bush. Uh, I learned a few other survival techniques and habits that I still use still to this day, um, all the time, whenever I'm up at the cabin, uh, out on any land, when I'm hunting, fishing, camping, outdoors in general. What else have I done? Oh, geez, I uh, took a trapping course uh, so I could do more outdoors to survive uh, lawfully, legally. I'm working on my ham radio license. I've got the books. It's just a lot of heavy reading. Sure um, is. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, You're probably further ahead for a little while. <laughs> no, no. I started reading. I'm probably into what chapter three of. Yeah, you're uh, further the, ahead uh, than I am. <laughs> the, the, the first book. Okay. <laughs> so I started that, but uh, geez, um, 
the last couple of years, it's all been just me catching up to circumstances, just trying to stay ready and afloat, you know. Um, Pierre met me when I was working at the local uh, Cabela's gun counter there, and uh, yep. I was starting to have a bit more of a public face. Um, and I got involved into all kinds of uh, marksmanship programs, uh, lots of fun. I started doing different kinds of shooting I hadn't done when I was a young lad, so uh, I was doing that. And um, gosh, along the way, I got diagnosed with the weirdest, weirdest thing. They told me I was environmentally hypersensitive. And so um, I started realizing that they didn't know what that meant, and they weren't really willing to test it and figure out how to fix it. Um, and the best advice I got was from a doctor who said, well, you know, you just need to get away from this stuff and uh, you'll find that you'll feel better. So it's kind of the same advice they give to allergy folks, you know, just get away from it if you can, and you don't have to take all this weird medicine and stuff that doesn't really fix you. So I started spending more time outdoors, away from the grid, literally. Um, no power on the weekends because I was working in IT, right? So I was always connected. Um, and what I found is that I slept better, I felt better. Um, and so I was spending more time outdoors. I ended up meeting a, the neatest fellow on an Indian reserve um, in uh, Pickwakanagan. It's the Algonquins of Pickwakanagan. I was in there one day asking about where I could park a trailer because I was looking for a quiet place to park a trailer. The place where my trailer was was a bit of a of a party town and I wasn't out in the woods in the wilderness to party I was out in the woods in the wilderness to get away from that stuff you must have been in so um, not terribly far uh, I was in Eganville Golden Lake Eganville oh, Jesus. yes party 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 yeah so we we had a lot of the a, a lot of the fellas from Petawawa that I got along with, frankly, because you know that's sort of my background. Um, but I've been out a long time ago. I got injured, and so uh, I've been out a long time now. But I still gravitate to that environment. So it was kind of neat talking to the lads and hearing how things are going back then. But I I just couldn't take the party town. So I went to see this fellow. And uh, he said to me, you know what? I was thinking of parking a trailer back here. And uh, he said, come and see me in a couple of weeks. So I came back to see him in a couple of weeks. And he said, yeah, there's a spot down here. Come and take a look. He'd actually finished graveling it down. And he was spraying it down. And he said, come and put your, uh, your trailer down here. And he wasn't charging me much at all. And uh, we kind of struck up a friendship. And um, it turns out that he had been a local guide and a trapper and teaching young lads how to do this most of his life. I mean, he was an outdoorsman. Um, and so I'd never really had any formal hunting or fishing training. I wanted to learn to be more self-sufficient. And I asked him, I kept bugging him. And one day he said, why do you want to learn to kill? And it was a hard question, man. It was like, uh, and he says, yeah, why do you want to learn to do this stuff? Because you want to kill. And I was trying to explain to him that it's not because I want to kill, it's because I want to be able to live off the land out there if I'm out on my own, and it's just me. Uh, and he still was pressing on. He's like, well, well, you know, why do you want to learn to kill? And I was like, well, I already know how to kill, you know, two, two-legged predators, and it's not really what I'm going to be doing anymore, uh, or maybe I don't even aspire to it anymore. 
but I'd sure like to use those skills and learn to live more on the outdoors. And so he took me under his wing and started teaching me how to live off the bush, how to hunt, how to fish, how to see, he used to say it, how to see. Because he used to tell me a lot of people come out to the bush and they look around, but they don't know how to see. Interesting. Right? Yeah, yeah, so I started being able to look at the bush and you start to see how the animals browse. And the browse pattern reveals everything. And just yesterday when I was on my way back to town, I'm at my girlfriend's right now, um, that skill set came back. I was driving along and I could see the cedars. And if you look at the cedar bush while you're driving along, you might spot somewhere um, there is no branches up to about you know a height of five, six feet. There's no branches. You can walk straight clear under that cedar. And if you look closely at cedars in nature, they don't work like that. A cedar will be full quite low to the ground. So what's the deal? That's the deer browsing. The deer browse there in the winter time when they're out of corn or whatever else they're browsing on. They'll still go after those cedar buds. So I was on my way back uh, Saturday, cutting through uh, the province of Quebec. And I was just Sorry spotting these that. cedars. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> let me just say this one thing about Quebec. I've met some great people in Quebec, but you don't need uh, any speed limits in your province. Okay? The roads are the speed limit. Absolutely. I don't know how you, how, how you, you must, you must budget 15% of the value of the vehicle every yeah. year on repairs alone to live in Quebec, man. Because that yeah. keeps my speed down alone. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> Well, with, with that, I will say welcome to the show. We are looking forward to uh, to hearing everything you've got to say tonight. And uh, yeah, happy to have you aboard. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So if you want to help us support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper podcast on the air, potentially not on YouTube after tonight, we'll see, you can buy some swag. Uh, we've got both the Canadian Prepper podcast t-shirt and the tactical Velcro patch available at prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, all the proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or just a topic you want us to cover. You can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Yeah, you do that so much better than Pierre. Because <laughs> he didn't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> and we're hitting the explicit button 10 minutes in. <laughs> I, I already told you that. <laughs> uh, so we've got I some. that in my intro. You did. You did. We, we've got some out of touch content for you in this episode. We're going to start off with some recent news articles as usual. We'll update you on our personal prep since the last episode. We're going to get into the main topic of uh, off-grid living. So let's move into the news, shall we? The world still spins for now. <laughs> it does still spin. It is still round. This is correct. Unless you're a flat earther and then a... Hey, world still on. round. Just just, yeah. take a, just take a walk off the edge. <laughs> so I've got a, a couple of... Sure. <laughs> We're so off of you. The social distance, the social distance <laughs> when the COVID's happened should have, you know, determined that a bunch of people fell off yeah. and yeah. everything. But that's that's for a different topic. <laughs> Monday nights, Monday nights. <laughs> I've got a couple of quick little news ones here. Um, of course, being the weather guy that I am, so California is bracing for yet another atmospheric river. I'll touch into that on my uh, weather blurb, but. Um, uh, they just can't seem to catch a break out there. I mean, it's good. They desperately needed it, but it's getting to the point now where it's uh, too much. But um, 
Yeah, well, I'll, I'll touch into it on the uh, on my blurb. And the other thing, it's, it's just quickly bringing it up. I'm not going to really talk about it because I don't really know much about it and it's not any of my forte or anything, but um, I'm sure people have heard that uh, Silicon Valley Bank in uh, the U.S. collapsed on Friday. Um, and yeah, apparently lots and lots of people could potentially lose millions and millions of dollars in money. Um, last I heard, it looks like there's going to be some sort of a bailout. I don't know how it's going to work or whatever. I'll have to follow it. But um, the only reason I kind of put it in there is the old adage of don't put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, diversify, have, you know, obviously have cash on hand. Don't don't leave everything in a bank and keep it in two or three different banks if you can or bank accounts if you need to put something away so that if one of them happens to go tits up you're not uh you're not losing everything no, that's a good point it's uh it's never good to see uh that a bank has uh, collapsed yeah it's yeah, not that's a good sign gonna suck. yeah there's going to be a ripple effect for sure yep. um so i surprisingly have a news article and it's because the fun may start real soon in la belle provence um which, I mean, I'm assuming probably most people that listen to this and everything may not associate with this, but depending on where you live and where you work or whatever, um, Montreal specifically, health authorities are reporting about a new dangerous drug circulating in the city being mixed with illicit drugs and everything. It's this weird thing, I can't pronounce it, but it, it's called uh, the zombie drug. It does a bunch of stuff, big news article saying that naloxone isn't really hap um, helping with it. Uh, they see an uptake since 2012, I think, but now it's coming a lot more uh, susceptible. So, you know, if you're potentially work or interact or have to make a trajectory through those places where, uh, where you live, maybe more susceptible to people that do these recreational things, just maybe be uh, extra vigilant or uh, potentially start looking at a route that you can avoid those um, un unless you're like really hoping for the zombie apocalypse. That, <laughs> Who's I mean, going to tie it in? Like, you know, like, <laughs> like just, 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 just have at her, bring your katana with you, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, allegedly, just, you know, allegedly, so, allegedly. <laughs> and your crossbow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, don't, don't, yeah. So but, that, um, that's, you know, that's, yeah, that's the first I've heard, actually heard of that, Pierre, is it? Are, are we talking like kind of like a fentanyl 2.0 sort of thing or yeah, I, I I don't know like this news article is kind of weird on how it says mm -hmm. like they've noticed it in illicit drugs it's like this weird like zilazin zilazan I don't know um, something that's been mixed in with a whole bunch of illicit drugs that people will buy on the streets that are not oh. able to the, the xylazine thing yeah. Yeah. yeah okay so you know they've you know, just stop they doing reported, the I think it was RCMP, this, that, that they, they've noticed this, you know, being added to certain things since like 2012. It, yeah, 2012. Yep. But it's starting to take a little bit more of an uptake. And apparently it does weird things to people where even the lock zone doesn't bring them back completely and this, that. So I, I don't know. Just if you're in those shady areas, you know, maybe be extra vigilant or try and avoid them a little bit more even if it's a five minute detour um this may carry on this may you know stop real soon but just uh well, something hey, to keep an eye on i gotta go there uh, tomorrow you can never avoid it i gotta don't go there lick tomorrow. the door handles 
Mm? Oh, I don't. We're close. <laughs> I gotta go there tomorrow, and then probably on Wednesday, and then probably on Friday, and then repeat. Yeah, but you're probably going to a spot <laughs> where like people work. Well, that's true, right? Yeah, so you probably, I mean, and probably not politicians, so you'll be alright. Oh, definitely, <laughs> they won't come down there. Oh boy. <laughs> all right, let's let's move into what we've done lately for preps before we turn in the Monday night CPP, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, right. It's been a little while since uh, I've yeah. been on here. Then fuel rotation, clean up in uh, my basement store stock room, uh, reorganized my bedroom, Costco run last weekend. I cleaned my Berkey filters. Thank you for those, um, Eric. Yep. Uh, work, work, some more work, and uh, I have officially not had a cigarette now in eight days. Nice, congrats, congratulations, nice. well done, yeah. well done. It's nice. not easy. No, hardest thing <laughs> no. in the world to quit. Harder than cocaine. Harder than alcohol is 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 having a is stopping cigarettes. And I've made it eight days. I still have a half a pack of smokes in my lunchbox, and there's still other ones floating around here. And you know, uh, uh, just it's. Uh, I think the temptation is almost all gone. So and keep going, uh-huh. keep going, keep awesome. going, one day at a time, yep. right? So yep. No. Oh, that's, uh, that's I have awesome. also heard that temptation never goes away. I knew someone no, that no. like 15 years and they're like, they crack a beer in summer and they're like, man, I could go for a small. I, sitting on a I have heard that as day. well. Like I've heard it doesn't go. It gets easier. But it <laughs> Nine never years officially this year. Goes. How many? Nine years this year. And Nine years myself. Good job, man. Yeah. And but still, never goes away. Somebody offers me one. I, I stumble. I want to grab it. And then I realize, oh no, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I know that'll you can do it. start to wane as I go on further of uh, of not having yes. one, and it'll become uh-huh. easier and easier over time. But yeah, I, I work by myself at work all the time, so I'm just in the truck and, and driving, so I don't have somebody else coming up and saying, "Hey, let's go for a smoke," or "You know, do this, but not." And I get home and I try to keep myself busy, and the wife will go for a smoke, and she's she stopped asking me, "Hey, smoke break? Do this? Do that. Nope, just keep going." And hey. One day at a time. Just fill the time with the ham radio studying. I, I got a bunch of other projects first, but that is one that's I, I've moved that book from the middle of the pile to the top of the pile. Perfect. So. Well done. I just did uh, some food prep and a uh, little bit of fuel rotation this week, and that's been it for me. Very nice. Uh, so for me, I've been focusing on doing some more close uh close area uh, communication upgrades. So I, I talk quite a bit on the podcast about uh, HF and worldwide communications. And we've been trying to get the uh, NVIS going for some further distance, like provincial type of communications. But I realized I'm lacking a little bit in just my close quarter communications. So been upgrading the uh, handheld walkie-talkie or handheld walkie-talkies, uh, handheld uh, ham radios. And um and uh, took advantage of getting some signal stick signal stuff antennas. I don't know if you can see those, but uh, grabbed a couple of those to put on a, a couple of ham radios. So uh, I'm going to get those deployed out and kind of stored in the vehicles so we've got them. Because, uh, like I said, the last year or two, it's been all further distance, long range stuff I've been focusing on, and I completely lost sight of the close in, yeah, nice close uh, communication stuff. So. Yeah realized oops <laughs> and uh so we're going to be cleaning that up a little bit and tightening that up a touch so that's what i've been doing right. and beyond that it's been stupid busy at work so i've been running all over the place solving <laughs> problems and doing that so 
it's been great. Um, I've got a little bit of some fruit prep. Tried a new breakfast plan for the week. Work it out. Um, new new machine setup, trial, error, fail, and excitement all at the same time. Um, got some more wedding stuff figured out, and uh, just we're pre-planning so for the honeymoon after the wedding. Um, the daughter's staying back home, so we're meal planning. Meal planning, sorry, for us as well as her because she's still got school. This that, so we're kind of making a little bit extra in bulk and like throwing it in those fancy like sealable containers, throwing them in the freezer just to make that transition a little easier for all of us. And uh, yeah, work, work and more work. I had to go to Toronto last week. Oof. I know. It's Gross. Oh, um, the butthole of Ontario. Yeah. It's funny. So did yeah. I. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I still smell it even though I've showered all I feel for you. Yep, um, I feel for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so just uh, trying to, you know, wrap up everything at work because I'm going off for a week and a bit. I hate leaving stuff undone and this, that. So trying to catch up on that and everything with work and uh, that's what it for now at least awesome cool well with that say we uh, move into the main topic so uh, like we said in the intros there we've got frugal gunny with us tonight he's going to talk about his experiences uh, living off grid in a cabin you know uh, we've been quite excited about this for a while as soon as pierre uh, said that you were game that to, to come on the show and talk to us everybody's been pumped to have you come on so it's been uh we've been, been waiting in angst for you to show up and, and get on a show that we can uh, talk to you on a sunday night so like i said we appreciate you coming out for the night and i think i'll just open the floor up to uh to questions from the panel anybody in the live chat that wants to throw a question in or just let you um tell us about your story and uh and how we ended up uh in a cabin on your own and off grid well, if, if you don't have any questions right off the bat, I can start by giving you the 30-second the elevator speech. Uh, basically, I had uh, moved to um, an area outside of Ottawa, Smith Falls, and I was looking for land, and this was uh, just before this whole pandemic thing hit. Uh, and I was living already in a tiny little spot, tiny little place, and the land deal fell through. And we're talking about a small space, a 16 by 12 shed that was being converted to Four Seasons <clears throat> and had been converted to Four Seasons. And I was living in that and I was, it was quite a transition, uh, but uh, it, I was learning to figure it out. And to quote a friend, um, you basically have to live and think like you're living in a submarine. Everything small, everything dual purpose. You can't have a, one single thing that takes a lot of space if you can combine everything you need into uh, all the functionality you can into a smaller thing that does multiple jobs at once, perfect, keep it inside, or else you have storage outside. So that was a neat challenge that prepared me for this deal. But the land deal fell through, so I started looking around, and a very good friend pointed me in the direction of this fellow who had been involved with some of these um, so-called medieval camps. Um, up near the Kirkland Lake area and he was rather disenchanted with how things were going and so he said that's it sayonara I split and he bought his own land and he started his own community now this was all before the the big lockdowns began <clears throat> and so I bought into this because it was just a gut feeling thing it was my gut feeling that was driving me telling me you know you need to get closer to the land you need uh, a roof to call your own of some kind 
Um, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And next thing you know, we had companies and organizations everywhere bringing in mandates of all kinds. And I started getting concerned. And so all of a sudden, um, this friend of mine who was also bought into the community, he sold me his cabin. He kind of had enough of the harsh weather. He had originally been from the UK and I think he'd given a real good go of it, but his circumstances changed for him. He decided he was gonna give it a go elsewhere. But he now had this cabin that he had built up that he was trying to offload to me. And he looked to me and he said, would you like to buy it? And the price was so fair that I couldn't say no. I jumped on it. Uh, and so next thing you know though, this was, uh, so I now had the cabin back in September of last year, but no chimney installed. Uh, no solar installed, just a cabin. So uh, I proceeded to really rush very quickly to install my wood stove and chimney before the winter time, and I was able to do that. And then over the course of the winter time, I started to go up there to install my solar panels and uh, set up my array and uh, basically survive the rest of the year. And uh, I was asked to return to work just recently, so basically i lived up there on all of my food preps i moved all of my food preps that i had up there i probably had a good solid year's worth of dry goods um i had salt i had sugar you know all, all the basics you need water filters um definitely had ammo and supplies to build traps with if i was in a really bad jam also, um, a word of advice, don't let Jeff know exactly where you live in case <laughs> something happens. You may try and get him from Jeff, I believe in... Only if Eric, only if Eric doesn't have stuff. <laughs> I have nothing. Thanks for ruining it, Pierre. I have. I was making oh. notes, you know. Uh, I'll share he's with you... What... He's too good of a friend to do that. <laughs> <laughs> too good of a friend. Well, Jeff, I'll share this with you. This is what I advised my uh, other groups that I'm a member of uh, and friends with to do. Um, in, the, in what I feel coming, and we're just talking about feels here. It's my, my gut feeling. And for the record, I've always been wrong when I ignored my gut feeling. Okay. So mm -hmm. if there's only one thing I will give to anybody watching this or listening to this, the one skill that will serve you well under any emergency, especially the personal emergency I lived in in the last year, is your gut feeling. When everything was telling me, do this, do that, outside of myself, even amongst my peers and amongst my family, inside I had to listen to myself and I followed that gut feeling. Um, so thankfully, because I'd been following that gut feeling for a long time and that gut feeling had been telling me, have a year's worth of food on hand. Have more cans than you think you need on hand to the point that you have to start rotating through them so that you're eating the old stuff. Um, buy two or three of technology because technology fails when you most need it, right? Things like that came exactly to fruition for me in the last year. And so there were times when, yeah, everything went wrong, but because I had backups, because I had at least thought of failure of your plan A and plan B, I wasn't completely taken with my pants down and I was at least able to cope. Um, so, oh, so you that's... didn't pay taxes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and unfortunately, I've paid way too much tax in my life, I think. Yeah. I was say, this, is, this is a live recorded show on the internet. Don't expect an answer to that question at all. 
What what I would say is that when you're out in the bush and alone and you have a hard time getting delivery of goods, because I don't have general delivery where my cabin is. In fact, my cabin is about 800 meters from any drivable road with a regular car. So you can off-road it for a portion of it, but we're sort of landlocked and um, it's a little rough getting in. It's a lot easier if you've got an ATV. Um, but on foot, there's some muddy areas. The road needs to be reconditioned and rebuilt. Uh, it's a property that's been basically left fallow for a good 20 to 30 years at least, judging by the growth that I see there. So the roads show it too. Um, the closest neighbors I have are about a kilometer away. Um, it's too close. And, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it can get cold up there. I recorded a minus 35 there last year. Ooh. It was much milder this year. Uh, much milder. Um, you get a ton of snow. So that's a real factor for, for folks who want to live off the grid um, in a northern band. I mean, even just here in the Ottawa area where I've lived a good portion of my life, um, I'm not from here, so I've got other comparison points uh, like PEI, Nova Scotia. I'm from down east, so uh, that's that's what I can compare to. And the, the storms there were just horrifically you know, dumpy. You'd receive, you know, feet of snow at, at a time. Um, but up north, what happens is the extremity of the weather is a little tougher. Um, the water table there is quite high. So access to water, not a problem. Uh, but potable water, it's not the nicest water to drink. You'd have to really filter it quite a bit. Um, there is thankfully a, a nice uh, spring uh, about half an hour or no about 20 minutes away on the way to Kirkland Lake it's on the way to town so um, if I go in that direction I just bring a few jugs and I have some absolutely pristine drinking water and all I have to do is stop by the roadside bring my jugs out and this thing runs 24-7 365 a year even at minus 35. Now has anybody um, tapped that? Um, well, I think at some point somebody did. Yeah. They just kind of put a pipe on it and they, they put a cap on it and they just let it run out into the ditch because it's kind of on the, um, the public road side. Okay. Uh, and it's not quite on the private uh, property side. So anybody basically has access to it. It's a little bit like um, if you uh, are in the uh, Quebec area, uh, just north of Ottawa, there's Monte de la Source, um, Highway uh, 36. Uh, sorry, 307, Highway 307. Along this, it's called Monte de la Source. Source is spring in French. On the roadside, right near a sand quarry, there is a spring tube coming right out of the ground and people pull over there with their jugs. Same idea, except mm. the water quality is so amazing up there. It's I almost refuse to drink any other water now because I got that. <laughs> uh, I yeah, did that when I bought a Berkey. I was like, what's oh. this peasant water? I'm good. <laughs> 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 I don't have Berkey water. Like, oh, it's hot out. I got to bring like nine liters of water with me because I don't want to drink tap water anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah. And it's, it's, I, I get that. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, not when I used to, where I grew up, probably about a couple kilometers away, was sort of the same thing. It was just a spring that ran, like you say, 24-7, 365. And um, it became quite popular and a lot of people were using it. And like you say, filling their jugs and doing all that and course that 
just made the city not want that to happen. So, of course, they had to show up and put all these kinds of signs up saying how use it at your own risk and the water may not be good for you and blah, 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 more BS, more BS. But, um, yeah, it was, it was as you said, it was the crispest, cleanest. You don't think water has a taste, but when you've had that and then you get something out of your tap, it's totally different. I have to agree 100%. You know, then to your point, Jeff, um, one of the things I noticed and one of the reasons that attracted me to this area where I, I bought the cabin and I bought my, my share of my, my lifetime lease, if you will, um, is that it's in an unorganized township. So what that means sign, is sign that... Me up. Oh, yeah, we all know what it means. Exactly. Yeah, right? yeah absolutely. And, and I think you people, I see you all nodding, so I think you know exactly what that means. For those of you out there who don't and who are listening in or watching um, from the beyond, um, an unorganized township, at least in a common law jurisdiction like here in Ontario, means that there is no municipal corporation in charge of things up there. There is a skeleton municipality uh, it basically takes care of the roads, and that's about it. Otherwise, the, the roads aren't even patrolled by the OPP because they don't have a municipal agreement to patrol there because there is no formal municipality. Um, so what you're saying is there's absolutely no way anywhere in Quebec has a municipal or unorganized township with how the roads are. Oh, man, I highly <laughs> doubt it. Uh, I, I would imagine <laughs> the only way you get anything close, bud, is if you're on a private uh, landowner's plot yeah. like they do have in Northern Ontario and it's owned by a mine or a resource extraction company. And yeah. then they lease, you know, a certain amount of acreage to you and they kind of give you carte blanche and away you go. Um, so that's the beauty of where I'm at. I'm able to, for example, build a 12 by 12 shed with a nine foot ceiling. And guess who is there to tell me I can't? Nobody. Exactly. Absolutely no one. Now, question. Um, do you still need a permit for a septic? Yes, and that's that's probably the, the excellent question of the day because out there in Ontario, even if you own your land 100%, you do not own rights to pollute the waters that are nearby nor the water table. Uh, and the MNR will claim jurisdiction over you in your septic. In fact, I heard, and there are people up there who will just do as they need to and put in a septic. And some of the people who have witnessed those folks doing that have reported them and of course they get you know their fingers smacked by mnr and all this and that and told they have to pull yeah. it out and you know it's a real nightmare um so and obviously you don't want to you you oh, don't yeah. want to be fishing you know eating yeah. the fish that you decided to put receptic bed yeah. the wrong way that like yeah. that fish yeah. is you know three eyes grown a little bit Due to you know certain things mm -hmm. you have digested in a weird way, and they absorb it. So let's just way. put it this so way: like, you I'm, don't want to eat shit fish. No. Yeah. Or the, or the one with the third eye. <laughs> yeah. So we're already yeah. hitting the explicit button. So. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've I tried. I tried on this one. Good try. Good try. I have a. I have the greenest way to deal with it: is it becomes fuel. Don't and eat fish. And, well, no, the, the solid waste. <laughs> I love fish. Okay. Uh, okay. In fact, it's been too long since I had a feed of fresh fish. So any of you who are ice fishing in the area, I know it's getting a little hairy to be out on the water, but man, I'd love to still get a get a, some fish it's in. But still I've a seen risk your, I'm willing to take. I've seen the lakes and the rivers on the way down, man. They're already thinning out, so I don't yeah. know. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, thank you. Um, Stand on so, nice all day. <laughs> so it's so it's a real fully off the grid situation. Um, I have a little bit of a creek that I have to cross to get to my land, uh, and we built a little bit of a bridge there last year to get us across. But um, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done on the road. So I've been using some of my old sapper skills to build uh, um, what I call an improvised corduroy slash swamp mat. And that allows me to get across with my ATV to where my cabin is. And so I'm, I'm using a lot of old tricks that I learned as a sapper uh, to get by in the bush with the materials you have on hand and get it done. Um, so the old sapper skills, is it stacking bodies? Or like using materials from the woods. Um, <laughs> Maybe both. Using materials for the woods to assist you in stacking bodies, perhaps. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Okay. allegedly. Allegedly. So, internet. so uh, for for those who who are listening in uh, for the internet and uh, and all that, a sapper is what uh, a trained combat engineer is called once they graduate their their basic trade qualification courses, and so we. Are called a sapper at that point and uh, sappers back in the day we used to and you can see I'm, I've, I've kind of taken on the role here we used to be the folks who would dig underneath a castle wall so that they could go and put in the powder and dynamite or well dynamite wasn't around back then but they would blow the powder and then that would undermine the wall right and the wall would crumble and then the ground forces could penetrate the castle and start doing their thing yeah. So that's 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 where the trade came from. Um, but in um, Her Majesty's, and I was, uh, it was Her Majesty's at the time. Now it's called His Majesty's Royal Canadian Armed Forces. But at that time, um, when I was a combat engineer, we were considered like the MacGyvers of the the army. So wherever the infantry would get deployed, you would typically have uh, a sapper or two along with their platoon, definitely a, a few sappers with their company, uh, at least one sapper per platoon when they're deploying, you would think, because when they get a mine strike or something like that, booby traps, uh, that was kind of our specialty. Um, now, I don't know how things work in the theater today, how they're deployed, how they work. I got trained up, I was a reservist. Uh, I got injured uh, before deployment, so that kind of stopped my career right there, and that was the end of that. So um, I got to practice. It also and play. depends. It also depends yeah. what movie you watch. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's unless you've been in that field, like you have, right? Like a lot of people have misconceptions about oh. you know. Some people will relate a sapper to like. Oh, that's the Vietnam War. That's North Korea, like because they were called Saver. Like yeah. so, so yeah. But yeah, it's just through a little, little funny jab. But yeah, it's it's nice to hear about <clears throat> how the Canadian military and different detachments maybe um, coexist, or how they train, or certain criterias, or everything. <clears throat> so also, I'm assuming your cabin is upwind. From where you're stacking the bodies and using natural resources to build that road, because nobody wants to allegedly, smell that. theoretically. My my friend, theoretically, who, my friend who taught me to hunt and fish um, also taught me to watch my wind all the time. Um, mm -hmm. I got taught his way of hunting, which is to stalk. So um, I'm still learning uh, what he would call white man's way of hunting, which is stand hunting or truck hunting. 
which is what he would call it. And he would admit to me that that's how most of his brothers and sisters would hunt nowadays. They were truck hunters or stand hunters. He was a stalker, and so he taught me to always watch my wind. And that's great when you've got a solid wind direction to work with. But I've now hunted in certain places where you put out your finger and that wind is shifting every two minutes. You're like, is that on this side of my finger? Hold on a second, is that on that side? And then you start pulling out your stupid little powder throwing gadget to see if your wind direction is right. And 30 seconds ago, it blows that way. 40 seconds later, over there, you cannot count on the wind in certain places. Yeah. Um, so that's what I learned about, about the wind. So uh, you can't always rely on it. Um, so I've, I've learned up there, if you think you know one way to do something, that's really good. Learn three or four more right. ways to yeah. do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Two is one, one is you might. Yes, you might have to change tactics. Equipment might fail. Circumstances may be wrong. You know, uh, I see all these wonderful, beautiful people on YouTube, for example, show it how to make a fire in the pouring rain. Have you seen how many actually succeed in doing a great job on the first shot? <laughs> so I got to tell you a little story about my, my mentor. We, we don't get access to those videos. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it, took, it took them two days, but they only show the snippet of they're like, see, it works. Oh, right? yes. That's and, the value of editing, isn't mm-hmm. it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I, I asked my mentor one day because it was really cold and we were out ice fishing and he said, you know, we need to go warm up. We're going to go over there by the, by the shoreline and we're going to start a fire. So I start on my own. I don't need to be told how to find dry wood, guys. So if I go find my dry wood, I start stacking it and he goes, step back. I was starting to pull out matches and some tinder and stuff. He's like, step back. I'm like, oh, I got this. And he's like, no, step back. I step back a little bit. He comes up with his little jerry can that he had on his snowmobile, pours a little <laughs> few droplets, woomph. He's like, save your time, save your energy, save your sweat. Your sweat is precious. Your time and your energy are precious in the bush. You don't have 10 minutes to fuck around building a fire. So use the fuel, he said. If, if you have know how to use that skill, when those resources aren't around. But at the same time, mm-hmm. pour 10 liters of gas on it, walk away 50 yards, and shoot a flare gun at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's way yeah. better. <laughs> that when I was standing there for four hours, right? Kinda, rubbing two sticks. That's kind of two what? extremes. <laughs> well, well when, when we wore <laughs> green, done it, though? we had a term for that. It was called overkill. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we had a term for that. It was called overkill. And there were times where it was appropriate. Um, yeah. And there are times where it's, it's just, just a little ex- fun because you know you have yeah. the expendency of those resources and you don't have to worry about it. We're just like you want to have a little bit of fun, right? But like that's a good point, right? Like everybody wants to learn how to do everything, but I'm like, if the resources are there to like not spend 20 minutes trying to get ambers to make a fire, utilize them. Know how to do it, right? But realize that I'm like. I don't need to use those skills. I don't need to use the extra energy. I don't need to do, you know, six other things where I'm like, no, nah, I can pour gas on it and take my butane lighter and go, and it's lit. But knowing how to do it, if you don't have the gas and you don't have your butane lighter, are good things to know. But understanding that concept of like, why get drained? Even though you're only there for a day, two days, 
why get extra exhausted about all these things to be like, I built a fire without anything, but I also needed two days to recuperate from it. Yeah. You know, everybody cuts out that last part where you need two days to recuperate of all the energy you lost. But if you pour gas on it, shoot it with a flare gun for 50 yards, that's something you're going to get free drinks at a bar for a long time. So, like, you know, be smart about everything. Just remember, video or it didn't happen. Absolutely. So, so let me get this right. Put it on Facebook. If we're in a shit at the fan situation, if I pour 10, liters, if I pour 10 liters of gas on the fire, go back 50 feet, shoot a flare at it, I get drinks for right. the night? Yard. Oh, 50 yards. Yards. Ah, okay. Yards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're we're, we're okay. talking okay. way okay. different. Okay. We, we are. We are. Yeah. But I, I was focused yeah. on the free drinks for the night. Why did <laughs> nobody? Why did nobody tell me about this in an emergency situation? I had no idea this thing existed. If you go 50 feet, you may not participate in the drinking part. Hence why. Or you've already yards. participated in the drinking part. <laughs> free drink. Free drink. I must see video. Potato. Potato. <laughs> However, if you're trying to be the the I'm not here, I don't want anybody to see me kind of thing, that's not going to work either because no. guaranteed somebody no. within 10 kilometers is going to see uh, see your fire. And there's nothing wrong no, with no. that, by the way. <laughs> no, well, no, there isn't. There are times where it's absolutely appropriate. Um, yeah, when you run I, out of supplies, you let them come up <laughs> so you can knock them out and steal their supplies. I, I have to remember when uh, I need to be seen to be extra seen because for some reason even though i'm six foot two i tend to sneak up on people in the bush without trying um i'm naturally quiet moving around in the bush so i kind of have to advertise hey i am here do not shoot at me here i am <laughs> you're the opposite of a bear people announce so well, that they don't get attacked by a bear you announce so that you're going to get attacked like you're a bear after a few months in the bush without a shower, one might argue that I might maybe smell like a bear. I don't know. Um, I'll I tell you if I run into the bear and away. if they run away. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've learned to, because um, I don't have a running water setup up there yet. Uh, I've learned to do what I used to do back when I wore green and I do a lot of sponge bathing. Uh, which happens to also save your water. So there's a lot of techniques again that I learned when I was just a young fella in green doing you know some crazy stuff out there in the bush um, that I use every day, like watching how I dispose of things. Uh, we used to have to dispose of things in a way that they would not be seen. Um, when I was a smoker, my cigarette butts always went in my pockets. It was out of habit because I was re I was recce. Uh, when I was in and I, uh, I really enjoyed that role and I took it on, you know, so all the little habits you do in recce, like doing a bounce test before you go out on a patrol. Um, well, you don't really go out on patrol, you go out on a recce, but you would do things like check your water bottle, you know, is it making noise when you wiggle because you have air uh, in the water bottle? Um, do you have kit on you that is rattling and making noise? Turns out all that stuff is awesome if you're hunting uh, or if you're prowling around trying to not be seen and trying to get a sense of what wildlife you have around you. Um, it's just useful skills that cross over. So I was relying on a lot of those, but there's a lot of stuff I learned that was totally new. Um, I didn't know what frost does to things up there. Um, that was a new thing for me. And those of you who have you know been out there up north, maybe you can 
add comments and let us know uh, what your big lessons were. But for me, it was what frost heave does to structures that you park on the ground or partially put into the ground. <laughs> you must plan for frost heave, my friends. <laughs> um, so now I'm... Uh, so so I'm, your tree stand sitting like this in the spring well, my, is not normal? My, my right. cabin has a little bit of a tilt to it, and so I'm going to have to jack it up and even it out. And so I'm going to put it we, on some we, larger beams. We can beams. make that happen. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so We're uh, looking for... It's, nice vacation so we can make that happen well if, if you like a bush vacation you should come up and visit i'll put out the uh have, have you met mel you. yes <laughs> <laughs> we're in we're yeah. in um yeah. i i had friends come up and visit and they loved it because they got to have a there is no amenities here for you oh but if you need wi-fi i can turn on the starlink for you hold on uh, and they got to experience that feeling, which was really neat so, for them. <laughs> that was going to be but one also, of my so questions: how, how, how many people have actually come up to visit you up there? Right. So, so how? But to add on to Brad's question of how many people have gone up, how many people have like come in to just say like, "Hey, I went off grid for like two days." But how many people have actually shown up and just been like, "I need to figure this out more because this is more." what I'm lined with compared to just like I'll take a few pictures and I'll post them on social media social lists sorry media later <laughs> right to just say like I, I've done this thing and like etched that box so like they get more likes and more friends or whatever right like there's a hard line there where I'm like people benefit from being like you don't have cell reception for three days you don't have that like flick of the switch you've got light you've got power you've got this you've got all these things where i'm like some people are like they can't handle it they're like if they've been two hours without a text message or a notification on facebook like they collapse where i'm like other people may not know that like two days without all those things is beneficial to like just their mindset not even them just like understanding the concept where it's just like I feel better compared to two days ago when I had all these things you know so readily available and everything and whatever so like you know so Brad's like Brad's asking how many people came and I'm asking how many people benefited from like being that hard disconnect for like a day or two so out of the the group that we kind of bought together into this place uh, I had maybe three or four of them come up and visit this year. This was a hard year for a lot of people, I think, because of the cost of fuel and the cost mm -hmm. of living having gone up. Um, a, a lot of people I knew uh, in the last year were a lot less mobile and had a lot less expendable income to spend the drive because um, it is about a seven-hour drive from the Ottawa area and uh, another three hours north of North Bay. Uh, so you're talking about a healthy distance for most people and yeah. um, it's uh, also a, a commitment it's uh, if you come up for just a weekend and you leave on a Friday night you will spend about 24 hours without driving and then soon you got to start packing up to hit the road again wherever you're going yep. unless you happen to be less than three hours away right um, so the distance in its own respect has been a bit of a filter now a lot of people say, "Ooh, that's that's a uh, that's you know isolation." And yes, it was. 
it was isolation, but it's also, there's, there's you know, a, a really good friend of mine who's now passed away, uh, bless her soul, I, I love the woman, I love the lady. She used to always say, when you talk about a crisis or something hard you're going through, she always said, what's the gift? Where's the gift? So in isolation, yeah, <laughs> in isolation, what I discovered was self-reliance. It was also this challenge, and here's the biggest challenge I would throw myself. Can I make do with everything I've got here on site without starting my truck today and going for a minimum half hour drive to the closest small town where I will be overcharged for stuff oh, yeah. just because it's traveled seven hours from a distribution center. Yep. Uh, yeah. Right. In and an so that's isolated the, area where it's it's not mass produced and not mass yep. um, purchased, right? Like, so there's yeah. all these premiums you pay for where it's just like, yep. is it worth it's, that extra time? Like, it, yeah. there are, I'm sure there are some times where it's just like, yeah, no, it's well worth, you know, taking that half hour hike out, getting in your vehicle, going to buy a dozen eggs because it's like your chickens aren't producing or you've got no protein. You've been out for fucking two weeks and yeah. you can't find a grouse. That's definitely You, can't, you can't find anything where you're just like, I'm sick of eating pine needles. <laughs> you, you, and, here's, and that's the reality when, when those of you who are out there prepping and living the, the prepper lifestyle, the last year, I've relied a lot on my canned goods. Um, and the things that helped me the most in those canned goods were the treats. The treats. And what well, I would mean by Reese's that is... Reese's peanut butter cup. Oh, Reese's Reese's peanut yeah. butter for me, it was canned fruit. It was canned okay, fruit yeah. because when I, because when I would go to the local stores... The fruit and the vegetable there, when you're used to growing up near a city or around a city or even better, near a farm, a farm area, and you've got farmer's markets, you're used to seeing the freshest, highest quality vegetables and fruit. And everybody knows the benefit of those in your diet, uh, just for your mental health. So for those of you who are out there isolated, living on your own, do yourself a favor with your diets. Vary it intensely. Take yep. uh, vitamins just to boost your nutritional content when you're in isolation on canned goods. It will help your your well-being in terms of how you're feeling emotionally, mentally, uh, and your mental sharpness. Um, so it was that I was seeking variety, but the preps helped me a lot. But the, the, the long and short of it is no matter how much you have prepped, you will starve for variety. You will crave things that you don't have on hand just because you haven't had them. Um, so I had the strangest cravings while I was out there for things I couldn't have. Uh, and Go had on. To wait. What? What are um, they? You, the you most... can't leave a bucket. Okay. You can't okay. leave it like that. Here, here's a what really strange one. Thai yeah. flavored style mango and mint salad. That is random. I random, would read that random. Weirdest fucking thing ever. <laughs> really strange Never and random. Uh, <laughs> right? Uh, there was other times I had a craving for pizza. The strongest cravings for pizza. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's a normal one for a lot of people, I think. But yeah. weird. There were days where I was craving vegetables. There were days yeah. where I was craving a particular flavor, a particular spice. Yep. Just because I hadn't had it in years. So. Yep. Um, anything you can do to add some treats that you can foresee finding awesome in your preps, man, do it. Um, so recently I went up there, I had some premium 
instant coffee. And for those of you who need your coffee every day, Mm -hmm. you know that there's a difference between good coffee and just, it's a coffee. Uh, I vary my my caffeine and my my zap sources. I like chai tea these days. Uh, I was on a green tea kick for a long time. And I vary my preps of those. But recently, while I was up there the last week, I cracked open this high-end Colombian single-origin instant coffee and and you know what i felt like it wow instant instant wow so so you get your instant fix you don't have to wait and you get less dishes to wash when you are done yeah Yeah. you you don't have to worry you don't even have to worry about taking care of your coffee grounds nope which i mean it's not bad for a garden and all these things right like (laughs) correct but But also talk in December where I'm like, there's no such thing as a garden. Where am I putting, you know, 500 grams of coffee grounds for the next four months? Yes, it's beneficial to my garden right. in May, <laughs> April. Right? Like, yeah, you were talking, you were, your cabin was how big, right? Like, you can only foot store. By 16. Right? You can only 16. store so much, even if you go outside, right? Like, you can only right. store so yep. much coffee grounds before the raccoons start doing it and then you've got those weird raccoons that are like partying outside of your house because you haven't thrown grounds in like two days right like like, so it's but everybody relates everything to like being out of power for two days and it's like okay fine yeah you've got no, no power for two days fine like if I drink instant coffee for too long which this was proven even Brad came up went up to a buddy's property He's got no power, outhouse, whole shebang. Went there for four or five days. Gave him a hand doing this, doing that, like clear up some of the property. Um, I get access to the property to hunt. So I was like, this is the bare minimum I can do. Is what do you need help with? My man hours are well worth the time. Oh, yeah. Where he hunts a week, I hunt a week, right? Or me and Mel go hunt a week. Like, well worth it, hands down. Brad wants to get into hunting. Brad's just like a, a weekend away from everything. So I'm like, we spent four days doing there. Like, what do you need done? What this, what that? And I'm like, we were drinking instant coffee. And I'm like, but I had a pounding headache. I'm like, I can't get away from this. Like, yep. he's not far from like a little town. Everybody went in and I was like, I just need time alone. We bought a percolator next day. Oh yeah, headache home. was gone. Right. Wild. Yeah, headache was gone the, uh, from the, the world having famous... instant coffee from whatever, right? But these are things that I'm like, it's all good to have like instant coffee for like months on end. But if you get a headache after the second day of instant coffee You're because screwed. you've got no running water, no heat, <laughs> no this, no that, right? Very limited on being able to make a regular fancy coffee, like you were saying, where you found whatever. I'm like. That is something you need to take into consideration. Don't get me wrong. I have instant coffee here. And I have done the Ranger coffee many times. Mm. As well as the <laughs> Ranger cookie. Which, 
It worked. That is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Right? It'll, like, it'll okay. keep you going, man. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that will keep you going. I'm not even going to say it online. you got to figure out how to get in touch with me, and I'll tell you how to make a Ranger Gobby. <laughs> if you go into my training I'll be offering down the road, I'll show you how to make yeah. a Ranger cookie. I'm, I promise. I, I I'm know Frugal Gunny knows how to make this. I'm just going to point out, you said we have to figure out how to get in touch with you. It's not yes. hard when you put your email address under your name. No. Just saying. Just <laughs> saying. No, okay. Just to clarify who reads most of those emails. <laughs> let's let's not let's just, not I'm um, just, just saying. We'll just leave let, that there. Let, let's be clear. If it if it's circulating on the web, you don't really have a guarantee of anonymity and privacy, folks. That is true. If um, you don't I, I like if to, you're so watching this, do I have an episode for no you? <laughs> exactly. That's what I was getting at. So, I'll just so tell I'm everybody scared for episode two. Look up DARPA and the origins of the internet. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> and ask yourselves. Ask yourself simply this. It's just a question I ask. You don't have to have the answer. I certainly don't. Why would the largest Department of Defense in the entire world decide to open up a technology that was once only visible to themselves and their academically approved institutions and decide to open it to the public for consumption? Mm-hmm. Do I have a podcast for you, buddy? It's just, <laughs> it's just an interesting question to ask. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So, has nothing to do with tracking people, I'm sure. Not at all. Oh, probably no. not. No. I'm no. sure it all has to do with watching kitten videos. They have your best interests and wholeheartedly love you 100%. No question. So I got yes, another we question. must embrace the tech. Got another yes. question for you. Beautiful. If you could have better prepared for one thing before going up there, what would it have been? That's an amazing question. Um, the unexpected. To well, prepare how the fuck for do you the prefer, unexpected. Prepare for the unexpected. And that's I'll tell you what like it was the worst for me. Answer ever. I'll, I'll tell. I'll <laughs> tell you what it was for me in specific. What was unexpected for me is the amount of equipment failures I was dealt. So okay, um, yeah. when every piece of equipment you have to move heavy things across mud and swampy soil and you know tough terrain. When it all fails and you're back down to moving on your feet through that slippery mud, um, everything is a struggle. Much more appreciation so just, for those things. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, if if any of you out there are reliant on equipment of any kind, I saw that one of you is a small motor uh, uh, wizard. Um, that kind of wizardry would have saved my neck. Um, and here's the other thing. Uh, something stupid like having a tiny space where you can't find anything led to me creating incidents that were just due to me not finding stuff. So perfect example, I have two ATVs and they're both wonderful ATVs for old kit. They are big bears, Yamaha big mm-hmm. bears, direct drive, right? Wouldn't renowned for their durability. Yep. So I've got a 91 and my friend had restored it before selling it to me with the cabin. And I have an older 99. Well, the 91 was the only one I had on hand at the time. And guess what? I couldn't find the fucking gate. I was going insane. I couldn't find the thing. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. So I go online, how to hotwire a big bear. Right? So I tried it. Guess what I did? I burnt my fingers, first off. 
right? It doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, it, tickled, <laughs> it tickled more than burned. Let's it gave honest. me a, well, it did give me a little bit of a tickle, and <laughs> then the little light bulb on the dash went out, and I went crap. I just killed my ATV. Mm. Um, and uh, I went a good three or four weeks without a means to get to and from where I park my truck and where my cabin is. So uh, equipment failures. Equipment always fails, folks, when you need it. Absolutely. Yep. So, uh, so I had to resort to a lot of backup uh, ways to move stuff. You know, have you ever moved uh, a poplar two by six by twelve for a distance of about eight hundred meters? <laughs> I, I had to. I could get it done. Yeah, it's doable by hand. You right? didn't. You didn't stack enough bodies on the proper angle to make a slide. You're absolutely <laughs> right. With more bodies, I would have had much better drainage. Hold on. You stack uh, the bodies too soon. They could have helped first. That's another uh, option. There you go. Um, well, the corduroy so, road. You know, I could have used the bodies in that way. And anyway. don't wear corduroy pants, buddy. It's weird. <laughs> hey, man, I still have those. <laughs> YouTube. It's been yeah, fun. Yeah, I know. It's been fun. YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, we're, we're, we're done now. Really? <laughs> yep, that's going to be the trigger, folks. Yep. <laughs> Find us next week on tour. Cheers. Yep. Ah, <laughs> you can blame really, me. That's the thing. That's got me mind boggled. No, I um, can, I can so, definitely understand oh, that of being yes, more prepared so for the great, unexpected. Great mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, two is one, also, one is one. Yeah, and but and uh, relating. And, and to Brad's point, don't expect that the backup techniques you have and have anticipated will work, will work. Uh, for example, many times I used my trusty come along to try and do precision placement work. Don't do it, folks. Don't do it. Use something else. A come along is great for moving things across distance, but not with any kind of precision. No. There's too much spring in the, in the cable and it's gonna do weird things for you if you're trying to do things like place a wall into position using a come along on its own. So little things like that, you know, um, yeah. that you learn on the fly, you don't have a choice. It'll you know. get you within a feet of where you want it. Yeah. Exactly. Right. But yeah, yeah. When, when you're working alone, your helpers are your best friends and often you have to build your helper. So you, you know, build a structure with some wood to hold things while you work on the other side and the other end and then you take that apart and then you do the finishing and, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, but so uh, adapting uh, was the hardest, Brad, but it was the failure of equipment that slowed me down in my progress. I can um, definitely understand one that. Thing you can't, yeah, the one thing you can't fight is nature. <laughs> um, she will beat you down to a pulp every time. And so I was rushing to try and prepare for Mother Nature hitting me with snow and getting my shed finished. But the ATV breaking down, oh, I had a, a truck transmission sensor go funky oh. on me too. And that sidelined my main vehicle for about two weeks. Uh, so that all compounded. So all I can say, folks, is be resilient, have backups, expect your backups to fail. So have two or three, you know, Clint Smith said it best. One is none, two is one, and three is better. And if you could have a half dozen of those puppies on you, even better, he was right. Um, especially when you're in the harshest of circumstances, isolated, and you don't necessarily want to burn 
10 liters of fuel just to go get a small item worth less than the fuel you're going to burn. So one last question. Um, you, you had said you, you relied a lot on your uh, your canned goods during the winter, during your, the last year. Yes. How many can openers did you have? <laughs> um, I had one on every single one of my pocket knives. Uh, I have one on my Leatherman. I have one on my Gerber multi-tool. And I have two or three in the cabin itself at all times. So, okay. yeah. So, yeah. before we get hate mail, you said you installed a wood stove? Yes. Yes. Right? When you first got it. How many CO detectors yep, there do you is. have? And I don't have one in there yet. I feel Wrong answer. No, buddy, that's we are that's the right up. answer because now maybe Alan will come back. Oh. <laughs> oh, Alan, sudden, I didn't think about it that yeah. way. <laughs> yes. Um, there's, Tune there's in a lot next of... <laughs> week to find, to find a whole hate episode about that yes. specific 30 cents. Tune in next week for uh, <laughs> episode 199 oh. where Alan loses his mind about CO detectors. <laughs> and, and just add, just to add to the hate, um, I make my tea every morning with isobutane fuel. <gasps> yeah. So you know episode one ninety nine and two hundred will be Alan going off on about carbon monoxide. <laughs> no, screw off at the two hundred. That's my challenge, buddy. <laughs> now, if it helps y'all, I do have to snowshoe about eight hundred meters to just to get to my vehicle. So I'm certainly not lacking in cardio or oxygenation. Trust, uh, trust me, Al, Alan does not care about that. No, no, I. No. You'll hear next week. He is already looking. Oh, I'm looking he's already looking for your cabin to correct the SEO issue. Yeah. I, I'm already subbed to uh, you on YouTube and on uh, Spotify now, so Perfect. I can keep tabs yeah. on what you got because I like what you're there. doing here. Be, be prepared when cool you thing. show up next to have your cabin full of uh, CO detectors. He will find you. He will correct the issue. <laughs> I may or may not be able to engrave them. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. We're going to talk. Yeah. I've got some ideas. Um, oh, I'm, I'm re-entering I... I'm, I'm re the, the Rimfire Precision uh, Sports oh. this year. Buddy, we will, we will talk afterwards. And... I don't want to get too many people emailing questions that I don't have answers for because I haven't played around enough with it or <laughs> well... had enough of my enjoyment with it. How about this? I'll I'll offer myself up as a proof of concept if you ever want to experiment, and if it's a big but hit, I, I, well, I allegedly have fifty things. Fifty potential. Fifteen. Oh, fifteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Things That's a good that number, I could potentially. Yeah. Depends what we're talking about. I haven't gone to the bathroom fifteen times today. That would be bad. Are you having your eight liters of water a day, or was it eight glasses? <laughs> D depends on the size of the glass, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk afterwards. But but um, yeah, no, I completely forgot what my little side tangent thing was. So carry on if we were. <laughs> you were talking about the engraver. We're talking about the engraver yeah, and the no, fact you don't want emails about it. No, That's no. Right. Re previous to that, it was a whole other thing, and like, buddy, I'm lost, like, hundred percent. So if, I got no clue. If anybody has any laser engraver questions, it's off the wall customizing at gmail.com. Oh fucker! <laughs> 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 right, like, and there you have. Um, it. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh yeah, now we gotta uh, hit the explicit yeah, We hit it ages yeah. ago. We're well beyond having to hit <laughs> yeah, that button. I know we, we hit that. I know the, we, we hit that in the pre-show chat. <laughs> <laughs> so even before we went live, like yeah, I'm gonna hit. Now, we're just hitting the now, button. I have a funny question. Do you do you get? The, I see some of those content creators out there. They go ahead and they'll add duck sounds or whatever sounds to kind of cover up all the swears. You nope. guys have to go through all oh, that? No. Fuck no. no. Oh, beautiful. Fuck no. <laughs> I love nope. it. Or potentially this will turn into duck no. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, it depends on your autocorrect and what phone you're using. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> That's a heinous, heinous thing, autocorrect. Not oh. once have I ever said ducking purposely. Yeah. A, fr- a friend of mine called it auto wrong and yeah. I think it's <laughs> Perfect. Call, call it auto wrong, my friends. That is good. Well, I'm I'm not talking about this live. No. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm have a small project for you. You and I will talk. I, I have offline. a fucking podcast for you. It's just not Sunday night. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> Sunday or Monday nights? Um, it's not Sundays. It's Mondays. Yeah. Okay. Mondays. <laughs> All right. That's beside the point. You'll, you'll have to point me in the right direction, but oh, buddy, I will point you in many directions. But yes, all they're right. all right. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, right. you're a fun bunch, man. Oh, Panel of uh, any other questions? Um, no, so I I have a few things. Oh, go please. ahead, Jeff. I no, do. You already ahead. put them in. Go ahead. I've been trying all night. Go ahead, dear. No, it's. <laughs> It's good. I'm. I've accepted my place. Carry on, Jeff. <laughs> this is so polite, no, so I Canadian. Was kind of trying to bring us back to the actual topic and say, like, so what's the biggest challenge you ran into with your off grid, and what did you do to resolve it? Ah, ah. So remember, I was telling about equipment failures. Yep. Yes. Some equipment failures. You'll go online. Online won't help you. Right, like the problem that I had. One of my ATVs was running very, very, very poorly. And you know what saved me, Jeff? It was my people networks. Hmm. It was my people networks. A lot of the time, when the internet couldn't help me really quickly, um, I started reaching out to my close friends and my trusted friends, um, and I started picking their brains. And more often than not, it was about topics where I was weak in. So uh, one of you, again, is strong in small motors. I would have been able to use your help back in the fall when my perfectly running ATV all of a sudden went and decided to be an ass with me every time it got warm. And then uh, a friend of mine, who was a very dear friend of mine up there, uh, who was a former factory Yamaha mechanic, he kind of whispered in my ear one day and he went, psst, change your pilot jet. And so I went and did that, and you know what? Overnight, the fucking thing started working. Ah, victory, <laughs> right? But I had to ask yeah. the right guy. Do right. you know how many phone yeah. calls I made to different shops, asking oh. them what could be wrong with my bike? Do you know how many people said, oh, you just need a clean carburetor and a retune? And the same thing kept on happening again. It took an old factory Yamaha mechanic to drop the line for me and let me know what was going on. So my knowledge, yeah where I was weakest was the small motors and the small engines and the mechanics. And sure enough, that's what got up there and bit me in the ass while I was up there. So uh, the, the, to answer your question, Jeff, the biggest challenge was coping with crises that hit me in my weakness, where it came to knowledge and how to deal with it. Um, so 
at least I had a plan B, which is crap. I'll take that phone call, you know, how they do on those uh, or having legs. game shows. Right? Or yeah. <laughs> that means yeah or having legs where it's like can't, can't tell you oh yeah, how many times I had to hump it the hard way, you know, where I just resorted yeah. to well, I got the hand tool and away I go. Uh, there were times when I dragged things using my sled across mud because that was easier than trying to walk it, you know, and balance it through mud and slippery uh, uh, puddles and this and that. So, yeah, it's, it's knowing how to cope with things that are outside of your wheelhouse and having plan B, C, D, and E. I had things that broke that I couldn't fix because I don't have a welder yet up there and I don't have a means to power up a welder. So I had to rely on my people networks and guess who ended up being able to fix and pull out the stud out of a, a broken stud out of an axle hub? It was an Amish fella who had taken up the art of welding. He happened wow. to have the torches to heat up that hub and get that stud out. I couldn't, with all the means I had, there was no way for me to get that stud out. He did. So again, my people networks came through. Um, so wherever you are weakest, whenever you're in a crisis, if you don't have the right resources to fix it or the knowledge, it's, it's my people networks that have really pulled me through every time. Um, so that's the one biggest challenge I face and that's how I overcame it. And um, yeah, great question. Living off grid sounds really shittier if I need that many people to have to interact with. Just saying. <laughs> only one personally. You'll need the specialists. Yeah. Uh, so here, here's some of the things that I, I had to be my own in the last year. I had to be my own mechanic. I had to be my own heating and ventilation technician. I knew nothing about installing a chimney and a wood stove before this, folks. I had run a wood stove before, and I had been helped in installing one in my off-the-grid trailer long ago uh, in Golden Lake. But installing it from scratch to do a, a proper professional installation, no. So uh, I had to learn a new skill set. Um, building a full MPPT solar panel array by myself, nope, totally new, right? I had to go and learn it, look it up, do a lot of research. Um, I had to be my own first aider. Oh yeah, uh, I had to be my own structural engineer. I had to be my own carpenter, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's just easy if you don't need an inspector. I don't know. I fucking put an extra two screws in compared to what <coughs> people would say. Like, that's good enough. Right? Like, that, that might not be the best. Oh, but, no. I mean, according to me, it's good. Until it falls over on you. Yeah. That's well, beside yeah. the point. I'll go after the, in the inspector at that point. I like building things. I like building things so they long stand way long after me. Uh, maybe maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should just build them good enough. But I tend to overkill it a bit. Never a bad uh, thing. That's I'm, kind of I'm my philosophy. I'm not opposed to it outlasting me. Just in most scenarios, I, I probably didn't do it right. But I'm like, it worked, right? Which is not wrong. Nope. Hey man, some of the best temporary fixes stay permanent yep. because they just work. And or to you that, get lazy I say, to go back and <laughs> you just get lazy to go back and actually yeah. figure it out. 
<laughs> yeah, my, my solar panel array, which you will see if you go and take a look oh, at, yeah. at my videos. I, I didn't build that. That was a rack that somebody else left behind. And I thought, you know what? This fellow left That'll you work, know, huh? a good uh, 50 linear feet of lumber here. And it's all in a structure that already has the shape I need. All I need is yeah. to build a substructure to raise it. And I'll just reuse what he did. Mm -hmm. So I saved effort, time. And it got up and running. Um, Upcycle. Uh, yeah, the thing when you're when you're living on your own, uh, other than challenges of things failing, is being most efficient with your time and your energy. Um, a lot of times you're forced to do things the long way and the harder way just because you're off the grid and you're working with hand tools. You know, yeah, it would have been a lot faster if I had had a, a saw. Uh, a chop saw to, to take care of all my lumber cutting. That would have been way, way faster if I ran the generator and ran the chop saw. I chose to do it all by hand and to nail everything by hand. Would have been faster with an air, na air nailer, oh, yeah. guaranteed, yes. Uh, nobody's gonna deny that. Would have been faster with a screw gun even, sure. Would it have been as solid though as using a good old S-wing hammer and uh, four inch spikes? I don't know, time will tell, right? But I did it that way because I saved a lot of hassle. Um, when you're living off the grid and you have only a tiny little amount of storage space, just getting ready to do work means you've got to go through bins, toolboxes, and stuff to bring out all your fasteners, all your tools, your square, your pencils, right, your measuring tape. Uh, and then next thing you know, oh, I forgot this. And so you're already running back and forth to go back and get the one thing you forgot and you start your job. Um, that's what takes the most time is setting up when you're working by yourself. And if you don't keep good habits about yourself, like putting away your tools when you're done with them, that's gonna oh. come back and bat you, bite you in the ass so hard. Where's that so measuring there's like, tape? There's no Home Depot like two minutes away. No. <laughs> or Home Hardware, Lowe's, no. Rona, like, I, like no. There's a hardware store about 24 minutes away. Uh, it's an Ace Hardware store. There is uh, and you're a castle lucky to building. find a good measuring tape. Well, bud, man. Uh, so you, you can you can and on the topic of measuring tapes, you can go spend thirteen dollars <laughs> at the local castle <laughs> building center for a made in a certain country uh, measuring tape that will fail on you in two months flat worth of use, or you can go and spend the twenty five dollars for that nice Milwaukee tape, which will only break in about a year. Yep. which will cause you the most frustration while you're working over the course of the next year, buying two or three of those cheap ones that break. Because you know what? When one of those things breaks on me, man, it goes flying at the <laughs> highest speed and it becomes a projectile of death. Um, you, you, had me, you had me at Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> but I pull out that Milwaukee right. and it's going to take my abuse for the next year before uh, it gives up the ghost, you know? If not more. If right? not like, longer, so, right? So, is that something? Uh, well, hold on. Let me see. Did everybody ask the questions? Because I didn't put any of my questions. Yeah, that was a really good question, Jeff, and and I kind of went on a yeah. big tangent there. <laughs> no, but so so that was the thing, right? Like so. Okay, so you turned into handyman, mechanic, um, your own engineer, a whole bunch of stuff. So. Would any of the things that you potentially had, like you've got your handy dandy, you know, $20 kit that has a hammer and a whole bunch of stuff. So is anything related to what you use being like 
I should have potentially purchased something a little bit better, or I purchased something and I got no clue how to use it. Wow, that's another awesome question, man. Right. Um, like, okay, so I went out and I'm like, I have a $60 budget and I want to maximize the tools I have compared to me being like, I should prep better and, you know, save $400 and buy, you know, a bunch of tools, whether they're all hand tools, that doesn't matter what, you know, was it better off to, you know, figure out how to make your budget stretch more before taking this leap compared to just being like, I'm going to go to the dollar store because they got, you know, screwdrivers, handsaws, vice grips, this, that, compared to if you would have doubled your budget and went to a different store and purchased maybe on certain aspects, you know, something better that would have utilized better on your uh, gear compared to anything else. That, that's a really, really good question, and I, and I have an actually fairly good, clear answer to it. Um, it's not always clear the level of investment you need to put into your prep tools and supporting tools and equipment. And you kind of have to base that on knowing yourself a little bit and how you do things. So I'm the kind of person that when something breaks, my first reaction isn't, oh man, I got to call the warranty guys. Mm -mm. Most of the Depends time it's- you have cell reception. <laughs> well, yeah, because of that very fact, I've gotten used to, well, I can probably do this myself. And if, unless I have zero clue whatsoever, odds are I'll try it myself. Now, if you're that kind of person, you owe it to yourself to have a certain level of quality of tools. Um, so any of us who have used hand tools for a certain amount of time will know there's a sweet spot in price to pay. Um, so let's talk about just something really basic that everybody will probably be able to relate to is a screwdriver. Okay, you can buy a screwdriver effectively that will probably put together that silly little $15 shelf that you bought at the same place at the Dollarama or the dollar store, wherever you bought the screwdriver and you'll probably be able to put it together and it will probably stand by the time you're done. Now, Fingers in crossed. a circuit, in the circumstance when you really rely on that tool, what's going to happen to it? The bit will chip because it is not a properly hardened steel. So right in the middle of the critical point of finishing that fastener off so it's proper and flush, and instead it's sitting proud and it's going to cause you injury or malfunction because it's going to catch into everything or the part's going to be loose and not properly fastened in the first place, all because you cheapened out on your screwdriver all on your wrench. That's a lesson I learned very young working on my own car. So I got used to when I'm buying a tool, I'm not necessarily going to look at the very cheapest low end, again, depending on what I'm doing. Um, and I'm not necessarily going to look at the very highest end, again, depending on what I'm doing. Um, I happen to enjoy wiring. I'm a little sick in the mind like that. I'm a little weird, okay? I, 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 I got into wiring by adding stereos to my cars as a young lad. There is okay? nothing so wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with wiring. In case you had noticed, did you see Eric's background? That's his actual backyard. <laughs> awesome, man. Man, after my own heart. Uh, I enjoy wiring work. It's it's a sick and twisted thing. It's a bit masochistic. 
because it hurts your brain when you're looking at a pile of spaghetti and you're trying to decode it and your brain, okay, what did I build here in the first place? There's something peaceful um, about unless, it. Unless you have garlic <laughs> yeah. bread and just scoop that in, buddy. But there, is, bread. <laughs> there, is, there is a Zen place I go to when I'm doing wiring. And so for me, yep. I have no problems investing in crimping tools to do my own wiring work. I have no problems with that at all. I feel it's very much worth it. Um, but let's say, for example, I need a sanding block. All right, a sanding block. Dollar when store. I when I was a young lad, do you know how you used to how you built a sand block? You took that little piece of scrap two by four that you had on the ground from your last cut. You'd wrap a piece yeah. of sandpaper around that. You squeeze real hard. You had yourself a yeah. sand block. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, I'm like an odd mixture of get the right tool for the right job because it yields an immediate benefit. So don't cheapen out on wrenches, folks. Wrenches will leave you hanging with scraped knuckles, swearing with bloody face at the worst time when you need it. Uh, a screwdriver that isn't appropriate to the task will strip, will break, will cause you to slip and maybe even puncture yourself with that screwdriver. Ask me how I know. Um, so how, how do you know? How do I know? <laughs> yeah. I have so but, many scars I, I, on these I've hands. Got, yeah, I've got, I've got a few scars on my hand from the same thing because of what I do for a living. So um, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. There's there's there's, right. there's areas where you can cheapen out on a tool, and there's other areas where you know it's it's good to have a good quality one. So what I like to do in the philosophy of tools is if I just need it to get a project done, I may not get the highest end one if I know I'm not going to see three projects used with it. But if I do notice that I use it for three projects, the next time it fails, I'm buying the higher end one and I'll have that one. Or then I'll get a backup that's cheaper or slightly better. But that often helps me learn the right thing to get next time. You know what I mean? And, and that's the funny thing. So when I did, so I got into automotive, to mechanics. I've been doing that since I was, uh, I, so I did co-op in high school. So I like, I wasn't even 18. Right. So last week, and got it. I'm. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. Seriously. <laughs> so you left that one the open. Guy I left learned, that one open. I had to. Yeah. So the guy I learned ninety percent of everything I do with tools in my hand because I fix equipment for a living and that's that. I learned from him, and his big thing was if so, this guy spared no expense on anything that could potentially be required to do his job right he had tools like drawers full of stuff that i'm like everybody was too cheap to buy mm. he purchased he had and he was like if you ask me to borrow this twice you need to buy your fucking own no answer for once he spared no expense wow. he bought top quality i worked in a car dealership it was snap on it was mac mm. matt co wasn't even around when i started right it was snap on mac he preferred one brand over the other didn't matter he's like if you need to ask me twice to borrow this school because i worked at a dealership so i'm like they had shop supplied tools right like they had that nine thousand dollar scanner that you plug the thing in and it tells you what what wire to go check like all this stuff they had lots of stuff but he's like 
all these tools I have in my tool toolbox. He was one of the only guys that had pretty much anything you can think of. He's like, if you ask me twice, buy your own. Don't ask me again. He didn't make a list, but he had a list up here. And like, there was nothing. Like, it was one of those things where that was one of the first things I learned. If you need to ask someone to borrow something to do your job, you either need to purchase this or go to Canadian Tire, Princess Auto, whatever the store is. You may not need to purchase, you know, the $1,000 kit to do this, depending. But what I've done for the last uh, six, fuck, 20 years, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not doing math right now. Two, two um, weeks, but I I'm like, there are two weeks. No, that's when I'm getting married. That's different. <laughs> does that, okay, does that reset the clock? <laughs> it might. It might. <laughs> I'm not sure how that works. Let me know once you figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't think I'm tips. ever going to figure it out. But right, so tips. I'm like, but there's a point where I'm like, there's a point where I'm like, I'm okay spending, you know, two dollars on this potential tool that I will use from time to time that I don't need you know the $300 tool for it but there are also certain points where I'm like there's a hard break where I'm like no you need to buy quality over the prices yes. right when my philosophy right. is this I, I'll scan the prices when the extra jumping quality isn't more than a certain price bracket and I I reserve the right to determine what that bracket is at the time yeah. and place mm -hmm. of the purchase. Especially <laughs> that scope on that 308. Oh, like, oh don't, don't uh, even get me started no about optics, for... brother. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Monday yeah. Oh, Monday get night. me going about optics. But example, socket set. A socket set, yeah. right? A silly little thing. Well, the very first socket set I purchased when I was 17 years old, guess what? I still own it. And it had a lifetime warranty on it. But after... A lifetime or so of usage is 25 years or more of usage start to count as lifetime yep. I don't know it's a good question yeah okay so Potato after a lifetime pot. of using it I've realized that I don't like the design on the uh, the direction changing flip it doodad thingy dingus <laughs> so is that the official now, name of it yeah, so, I just so no, you're that. Ju <laughs> you just have that hard transition of becoming an old man. But but you'll see but you gotta check this though. I might be an old man, but I'm definitely not obsolete yet. Keyword on being yet. Sure. Oh, I, there's one day I will be obsolete. <laughs> I'm starting to be. We all, we all are. We all I was, are. I, I was honestly sure that by now I wouldn't be needed as a computer tech because that was my former craft, my that, former That's expertise. why you went up north. Right? Yeah. So like, I, I've known you for three, four years off and on. Have helped me out many times, sliding in rifles, learning this, learning that. The whole reloading process starting with you where i've gone down way too many rabbit holes oh. on that side right and then oh. like uh, we hadn't chatted for a little while and it was that transition where you're talking about where you did your you know year off grid where i messaged you and i'm like hey we haven't chatted in a while like hey how's it going like we're gonna come up and see you and you're like that's a long travel i was like but a swiss falls is like 
an hour and a half, two hours. Like, you're like, no, I'm up here now, and you send me a pin drop, and I'm like, that's fucking eight hours away. And I'm like, I'm not opposed to driving eight hours. Don't get me wrong, right? Like, road trip. You've helped. We've had those little random chit chats. It all started by me walking in saying, I'm taking my lunch break. And I'm getting my firearms license real soon. <laughs> and like, it was one of those weird rabbit holes where I'm like, I'm looking at this one. He was like, how much are you willing to spend? I was like, I'm not saying I have an actual budget. He's like, hold a Tika. And I'm like, <laughs> now we own Tika. Of right? course. Like, of course. It was one of those, but like, <laughs> very friendly guy. And like, it just progressed to like, just me randomly in a gun store before I got my license. I'm like, fine, I can't hold it. But whatever, where I'm like, we've communicated many times, we've helped each other for many things, yeah. and I'm like, it's nice to see that progress. But I'm like, I'm not saying I like interacting with people. That's beside the point. But, you know, but just seeing that where I'm like, you know, like my biggest thing is like, you had a year's worth of supply yeah. of food. So is that just saying you had a year's worth of supplies of like chunky steak and potato soup? No. Or was it a variety of things, right? Because like huge variety, yeah. Because de depending who you talk to, was it all like Campbell soup, chunky soup, and like nine different flavors for everything, or was it um, bags or canned rice? Like we've all seen that canned rice where it's like a can of like condensed rice with like chicken flavor, the Chinese flavor, That's or like whatever flavors add a cup of water and like fry it in a pan and it's good but like so what was that year's supply worth of food was it like the cheapest dollar store selection you can find or was it a variety where it was like you know you've got okay i in the winter i like eating stew in the summer i prefer eating this like you know what was that because like awesome Awesome are we question. talking about someone? Uh, are we talking about someone taking a hundred dollars at the dollar store, or someone taking you know four thousand dollars and buying a variety of stuff where they're going to be comfortable for potentially so, a year's worth of food? So uh, what I did uh, over the last year, what um, actually not really over the last year, was really more the three years leading up to the pandemic. I felt this urgency in my in my preps, um, so. I just, what I did is every month that I had a little bit of spare expendable income, I would go to the Costco or I would go to the Freshco. So uh, the cheapest places to buy foods in bulk, in my opinion, when you're buying them retail, right? If, if you have access to a distributor level pricing scheme, man, jump on that. <laughs> you're going to save a little bit. But in my case, I didn't want to spend a lot of time and energy so it was more of a oh i've got to go get some honey so while i, I used to go get my honey at costco mostly because it was the best price per kilo in the local area that i could find so while i was there i would look at the prices of dry goods because it happens to be that dry goods store a lot better than canned goods 100%. in sub-zero temperatures folks right so that that's the biggest challenge you know everywhere else in the world they can rely on having a stock of canned goods but if i leave my cabin for a week in the right time of the winter time, everything in there will go down to minus 30 in the nick of time and, and probably three days yeah. for the cabin to cool down to that. Um, it yeah. takes more than 24 hours for my cabin to drop uh, 10 degrees 
in sub 30 degree temperatures it's well insulated I was but still say, that's pretty nice but yeah that's still that's yeah. a pain oh, yeah. in the ass. well it's, it's watch um, the videos you'll see it but it's a nice <laughs> fucking place like it's uh me and Mel it's, are going to take a vacation up there real the, soon the construction there is uh, <laughs> oh well, you're welcome to come up uh it's very solid it's built with uh two by six walls um um and it's uh, insulated with roxel r22 it's really warm um, but the food preps, I wanted to make sure I focused on things that would preserve well under freezing. So I bought large bags of flour that I would leave in, in a bin. And I told myself, I'll just leave it in the bin for now. And in a year, if I haven't consumed it all, then what I'll do is I'll repackage it in some Mylar bags that I have down here, start my girlfriends. And so a lot of the stuff I haven't opened yet. So I'm going to repackage it so it can store for a lot longer periods of time. So bags of flour, bags of oats. Folks, oats are a really great way to get carbs into you. And I know everybody loves proteins, but in sub-zero temperatures, when you've got to, you know, put uh, on you need your, that bump, carbs. Yeah, you need the carbs. Carbs will give you that bump. Because I'll yeah. tell you this, I, I ate a lot of proteins at first, and I lost all the body fat on me. It was terrible, man. I was skin and bones, but I was ripped. But I was skin and bones, and I froze very, very quickly out there when I would sit still. I had to always go, 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 go. And the only thing that will sustain your body and go, 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 go is good complex carbs. Oats were the best thing for me. They didn't slow me down. They didn't cause a major carb crash later in the day. So uh, a lot of oats in my diet. Um, you want to have some variety for fiber. So I would uh, bring in dates. Dates happen to store for long periods of time that provide lots of were energy. Were they okay with that bridge across all the dead bodies to come up for a date? Well, sometimes you lose your appetite with the okay. smells, my but you know, <laughs> I'm just thinking it. You beat me to it. Different kind of date. My bad. <laughs> yeah. um, what else uh, did I store? Uh, different kinds of fats. So butter. Butter stores pretty well if you keep air away from it, especially if it's often going to freeze. I, I've heard that uh, you can can butter. That I would like to try. Um, canning is something that I haven't developed in my skill set, but in my so you're gonna network have Jeff, of people. You're going to have Jeff up there pretty soon to teach you how to can. Are, yeah. are you a canner, yeah. Jeff? No, 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 uh, don't just, give just them your property but, location. Yes. Trust me. What's up, Pierre? Do we have... Do, do we have hunters in the property the... location? <laughs> yeah, hey, but I, I got contacts, right? so... man. I'll figure it out sooner than later. <laughs> <laughs> He's almost got his hand license. Well, put say. it this way. Uh, my dad, uh, when I moved up there, he said, hey, can you send me a pin of where you're at? I said, yeah, I can send you an exact pin of exactly where my cabin is. And I did. And he responded back a few minutes later, says, you really live in the middle of nowhere, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but, but also... Um, so, I'll go on a last question. We'll yes. chat when we have supper real soon. Um, only thing I would say, like, you were fairly prepared. All your stuff for cadets, which I love just as much because I did the same thing. Everything you have practiced for for years before going off grid. What is the one thing that you never expected to be like this is something 
I should have learned, understood, have some kind of comprehension on anything before going off grid. Was it your, I, I'm really, I don't have a green thumb. Like, I don't think I could go off grid unless Mel comes with no answer for months. Cause like, I'll, you know, I'll I can shoot that. deer. I, I can find anything and everything. I could probably eat a bunch of stuff in the woods, but like, I can't grow a garden to save my life. Or I just lose really in, like interest in it very quickly. So was it like your gardening skills that you were like, I wish I could learn more about learning pesticides, something that's going to kill something? Was it just something that you were like, I wish I understood how to turn a wrench more or understand like whether you've got a two-stroke motor or a four-stroke motor? Just understanding the basic concepts of that compared to like, I turn the key and it starts, right? Like, what are the things that you wish you would have semi sort of learned a little bit more before not master but just mm -hmm. understand the concept to be able to troubleshoot for yourself uh again a really really good question i would say two things uh yep. two things principally the first one is more knowledge of small mechanics um you know to which yeah, would be for, the downfall for like 98 percent of people that want to yes. go off grid 100 yes. percent don't fear the carburetor, master the carburetor. Um, yeah, don't do it in the <laughs> snow though, because it no. fucking sucks. No, and, and, and to add to, to Pierre's advice here, it sucks working on a carb in the snow. It sucks even worse when it's your only way in and out. Mm. So have a backup. Remember what we said, one is yep. none, two is none, three is better, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Bingo. I had one dead ATV, which meant that now my other ATV, when it went down, guess what? I was down to nothing. So look after your machines, friends, fix them, stay on top of them, because if you delay, and what was delaying me was income. I didn't have much income the last year. I had none really, I was living off my, my preps. So um, the lack of income was, was a real throttle on my ability to do stuff. And so I had to be more self-reliant and that's where my knowledge of small engine mechanics really, really got me and slowed me down and hurt me. The other one that I would have made a lot more progress in terms of my preps in the last year was the green thumb business, friends. Um, oh, buddy, that, that's it, like, the, I don't know why they call it the green thumb. Green themes like, or green seems like an easy color to get. Green thumb you know, is like the hardest, thing to get you have my, easier time uh, putting your thumbs and other things compared to getting a green thumb but that's yeah. for a different um, I, I, i'm, I'm sure i'm not going there. i'm sure not like anything it, if i was to really focus so i i tend to do well at anything i really focus in on and decide i'm yeah. going to be excellent at this to the best of my ability i'm going to master this to the best that i can i usually do a half-ass job at it at least if not decent um yeah. and but Man, the one thing that I haven't just been able to do all by myself like that is understanding of when is it time to plant? What do you have to know about soil? What do you have to so, know about the plant? What do you have to know right, about the food? There's so much I don't know that, yeah, I so felt was that very also, overwhelmed. So was that also a self-reliant on like the store around the corner, the nursery around the corner saying like, put your plants in, you know, buy, this feed, this fertilizer, this, 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 right? All the stuff that is readily available at the swipe of a card. To be like, you're gonna have at least 20 tomatoes 
you know, in a few weeks and not having that resource when you get up there and just realizing like, yeah, I don't know when the time to plant tomatoes or what I could utilize without going to the store and buying, you know, 16 different fertilizers and or you know 16 different fertilizers and produce and this that and you know spray 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 so like learning the things that i'm like okay well what can i recycle so if i eat eggs i can throw my eggshells in there your coffee you know that all that all relates to living off grid like recycling you know six things 20 times will save you a giant headache so would that have been potentially something that could have helped out for that scenario you bet um i think had i not been uh dealing with so my biggest uh wedge my biggest slowdown if you will that, that which slowed me down the most was the lack of storage half of my equipment is still down here in smith falls in storage and that's because i don't have a storage up there on my land yet because can have a tiny little tool shed and a tiny little cabin so um the logistics of being self-reliant is totally different in a off-the-grid scenario than when you're an in-town scenario where you're all prepping. your resources are available exactly it's easy to right? be prepped when you have right. this like it's all at everything. your disposal right yeah. up there uh many times i would call the closest two towns to me which are Englehart and kirkland lake and they say no we don't have that oh yeah <laughs> uh, and I mean like 80% of the time that weird thing I'm looking for they don't got and so now I'm driving minimum one hour to go there and so um, you mastered very quickly the art of locating who's got what I need and very quickly when I got up there I realized this is how it's gonna be in terms of me learning what I need to grow things up here and all the people who are successful at it in that area where I'm at are the Amish so I have started to network a little bit with them get to know them a bit um, but the Amish aren't exactly people you walk into their house and sit down and have dinner and say hey teach me how you farm uh, no um, in fact they're kind of reserved they kind of keep that under the the, the vest a little bit more um, and probably for good reason um, I, I think they've had different attempts to squash their way of living over the years and so they've had to kind of keep things a little more quiet and so they 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 have but their own network of people and they're good people also um, to their defense have you met people recently uh yes yes i, d I don't i don't blame them yeah, uh, exactly you know so one of the first things i do when i chat with them is i just let them know that and uh, i saw one of the listeners said you can't exactly just pick up the phone and call them and that's so true you have yeah. to stop and, and chat with them and uh at least in the country uh and out in the rural northern areas um it's a fairly welcome thing for somebody to stop and say hello and say oh hey how's it going i'm new to the area that they won't look at you funny necessarily um, some of the locals in town who have their their cliquish habits and let's understand that every small town has their own little clique of people um, and if you're a prepper you may not fit in with those people because they might look at you as that weirdo who's you know comes into town to buy the odd thing but doesn't talk to people because they're just doing their own uh, thing so you just leave your tinfoil hat at home when you go in town well it, i'm probably it. like every other bushman when i go into town i just don't care about any of those city things 
when I'm going into yeah. town. I'm just going to look for some bolts or, you know, uh, some mayonnaise, things that I can't make myself at home, right? Uh, bolts or mayonnaise? And, and, Right. Bolts, mayonnaise. Right. I'm talking about some of the most common things I used to go to town for. Uh, bolts, fasteners. When you've got but access to a sawmill. Yeah, just the weird things you okay. don't make yourself, All right? right? Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm part That's French. That's because you don't have enough chickens. I'm part French, so mayonnaise chicken. is like a staple. You have to have it, like two or three different right. kinds of mustard. Mayonnaise. <laughs> Do you have any great Poupon? Uh, not of that brand, but I do have two types of Dijon, yes. Oh, boy. Um, so, I mean, if... So, you know me, Mel. We have our daughter. Our, our ultimate dream is to be off-grid and self-sufficient. If there was one thing you could tell a whether it be a single person, a person that is married with a significant other, or someone that is married, significant other, and kids, what would be the one thing you would recommend to be like, I would, you know, 100%, no ands, if or buts, recommend that you need to worry, look into, or, you know, um, learn more or be more comfortable with this specifically mm. to make this happen other than having property you know the cabin um whether it be you understand it, it doesn't matter if you've got money to set up an off-grid cabin put the solar panels in dig your well get whatever right like just something completely opposite of what money could buy to get you set up off-grid but something that could make you self-reliant long term or a year right like i have right we have sixty thousand dollars that'll get me property solar in a well or you know water out of whatever creek close by to my house that's it i got no money for the next four years being up there what would be the one thing that you were like you should really work on this to be at least self-reliant where i'm like you're not going to be completely screwed um so that's gosh, a, lo a very really, loaded really question. Good, yes. It's a great question. Um, <laughs> and um, I would have a hard time answering it had I not seen other people making a go of living off the grid up there, self-reliant. Everybody has their, their view niche. of what self-reliance yeah. looks like, right? Based on their niche skill sets. So um, the comms specialist is going to be like, hey, man, if I've got comms, I can get access to anything. And that's absolutely true. One of the reasons why I needed to have my Starlink up there is so that if I'm isolated, at least I'm not without information. Mm -hmm. if, if, if you are limited in resources, information is what allows you to do more with those resources. Information in the form of knowledge and wisdom and experience are what makes a difference when you're shorter resources. So um, there is never enough knowledge to help you. You will always be on a learning curve. But that being said, I don't want to skirt your question, Pierre, because it's a really solid one. If you want to be self-reliant, first you must have the spirit of self-reliance. And I think everybody who's here talking probably has it or else we wouldn't be here talking. Um, but after the means to actually carry out your self-reliance, so 
access to land where you can be self-reliant to within your definition, right? So for some people being self-reliant means I've got a few chickens and some plants growing inside and I've got a, you know, my garden full. For some other people, self-reliance means I only want to leave the house and the property for things I can't make myself. But, I'm, uh, I'm trying to get to that degree of self-reliance. Am I there? Oh my God, no. Um, but the idea is that that's, that's the ideal benchmark I set for myself. And every time I step a little closer to that, I feel the happy feels. Now I went into this knowing that, okay, my weakness is growing food. Crap, you know, when you want to be self-reliant, not being able to grow food is kind of a big showstopper. Yep. Uh, however, that being said, we have lots of examples of people who have had to hunt and gather to survive and they did it for generations. But eventually to thrive beyond survival, they all need agricultural skill sets, don't they? So um, if true Ve self-reliance... Vegetarian is just an old word for bad hunter. And, and if, I, if I can jump on that one, okay? I talk about growing food because it's my particular weakness, okay? But let's talk I about the realities. I can food, I can't grow food. Well, let's let's talk about that reality, Pierre. Um, yeah. You do not find a lot of vegetarians where my cabin is at. And it's very I, simple, I my friends. I agree. Right? Growing yeah. season, man. You just got none up there. Um, we no, still so had snow you, coming down in early you've June. You've got a meat and potatoes kind of area, right? Yeah. Because the season's like, short. You can grow potato. You can grow potatoes probably really good in that area because it's a short season. Throw yeah. some stuff in. Like it's a meat potatoes. You know yep. those short season things. Like you can't grow something that takes six months to grow or whatever. But I'm like, you, you know, turnips you, unfortunately are a really low or very you, quick growing you're thing. You're, you're lucky to have corn cobs that make the length of my hand up there. Yeah. Oh, wow. And down here, it's kind of good. Oh yeah, I imagine yeah, you know right. the kinds that grow well up there would be different from what grows well down here. So oh, okay, so there's a whole other thing. So you, yeah, you right. can, yeah, you read that, Eric. You, oh yeah, yeah. Like, go, Melissa. Uh, <laughs> you know, vodka yeah, so makes like, an, you know, friends, vodka is an excellent solvent for degreasing and doing all kinds of things in mechanics. Fuck that. Worst comes to worst, sell that shit. And go buy your veggies at wherever you go. Okay. To the farm <laughs> now, boy, and now he's now he's touching on the other survival strategy I had. And here here it is. Stealing what are my shit? strengths? Well, maybe not, but what are my strengths? What can I do up there that a lot of the you, local people do not do? Yes, I can roll you my said own. Earlier, animal. you can sneak up behind people and not know they're there. You can take half their fucking shit. That that is a bit of a, a, a bit of a skill moral. set. I I must recognize. Maybe not moral, it's but not it's a skill moral, set. <laughs> but it's a skill. Um, so the, the the two big ones for me were you know how to grow your own food. That that was probably my biggest weakness that I'm constantly aware of. So I'm always on the lookout for more info. But I knew going up there what that weakness was. So I went heavily prepped with dry goods and lots of canned goods, and I I didn't. To finish about the canned goods that I do have 
Uh, it's a mixture of things that I can eat because I do have some teeth issues in the recent uh, past. Um, so I can't eat a lot of the foods that I used to enjoy eating. They have to be soft oh. things now. Yeah, it's a real bummer actually, but we'll get to that some other day. Um, so my, my canned goods included things that were high in fiber because reality of canned goods is you will get bunged up if you're eating a lot of them. So uh, I ate IMPs for a week straight. I get you. <laughs> you know what I mean then, man. I've had IMPs two weeks, and um, man, oh, we're going to get booted soon if we keep on this talk. So I'm going to go back to the foods I had. We're not talking that right now. No. Um, find this so next week I, on the saying, drug, I understand. So my, uh, I'm my just saying, I understand what you mean. My dry goods had a lot of beans uh, and uh, chickpeas, but in my fresh canned goods, cold nights. I had a lot of beans, a lot of soups, because when you're cold coming in from outside, a soup warms up faster than any other kind oh. of food. Mm -hmm. um, and the other things I had in my canned goods were those fruits that just perk me up when I've had my meal and I need something sweet but uh, you know low on funds so I didn't go to the store this week I'm living off my preps again for the week sometimes I would do that for myself if I was low on money that week or that month okay well I'm gonna live more off my preps so I would always tell myself what can I do to avoid going to the store again today yeah. and then the next day I would repeat the exercise I wouldn't try to set it for one week. That's too much to cope with. It's like Just trying to day not. By day. Yeah, it's like stopping smoking. I I could only do it for fifteen minutes at a time, Brad. Fifteen minutes is all I could do. So uh, that's as strong as I would commit myself to being. <laughs> if I could do fifteen yeah. minutes without breaking down and going to buy a pack of cigarettes, good. Uh, and if I do good. break down, I'll go and buy it. And then fifteen minutes would elapse, and it's like, oh, I made it through again. Um, so that's how I did it for not spending can yeah. i get another week by without going to the store because every time you drive you're spending fuel and that got me used to being as self-reliant as i can but the weakness is food and i think that's where they're gonna get most of us uh and lock us into an economy we don't agree to uh its terms is they're gonna get us with the food. So if you really want your independence and your self-reliance, I think it has to start at what you put in your body every day. Um, but I'm still working on that, admittedly. I have a little bit more skill set on the hunter-gatherer side, but I've got raspberries up there. Nice. They're endemic to the place. They're everywhere. Nice. I've got rose hips, um, wild rose everywhere so I can harvest uh, rose hips and I'll get vitamin C all winter long with that source um, so there's a lot of beautiful the things Mel, up Mel there Mel will be up there whether you're up there or not real <laughs> soon after here oh this. man I wish I had more help to gather all of the raspberries oh and right behind my uh, cabin send a pin drop <laughs> we already have the pin drop. Mel right, will be there. Okay, next. cool. Right, right beside my cabin, leading to the pond, about seventy-five to hundred yards behind my cabin. There's a little trail, and it is chock full of wild strawberries. Oh, yum! And so, for about four weeks of the year, um, roughly July, mm -hmm. you've got the tiniest most flavorful, most tastiest strawberries I've ever eaten in my life. 
except they're small, they're tiny, you get a bend right over, and when you're six too, man, that's a lot of work. So I'm gonna invite you all to bring up your young ones. She's only about three and a half feet. You're reading my mind, brother. (laughs) I have a daughter. I I promise the little ones the same thing, the same thing I offer any little ones who pick fruit for us. Fill your gullet as long as you put some in the basket too. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. You haven't seen her in a little while, but like no, yeah, she's, she's not that tall. But yeah. So um, yeah. I mean, so at that point, like, would so jams and everything. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if you've got um, jams, liquids, making salsas or whatever. You don't need a pressure can or you can boil can yep. or boil water bath. However, that water, water bath. bath. Yep. Water bath. That's, That's it, the yeah. one. So does that include jams? Yep. This, that, as long as it's not like pretty much raw meat is the only thing you need to pressure can, right? That's what I've been told, and that's what I understand. That's how I understood for But I've got a lot to learn in that regard. I can jump in in and say at least for sure jams and salsa, you can water bath. Because I've done it, and I'm still alive. Good to know. (laughs) Because I make a mean salsa. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, the the real challenge I'd like to take on up there is growing hot peppers because I know it's not natural for a poor hot pepper to grow in, you know. Put them in the microwave before you eat them, they'll be warm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) So if any of you have some expertise in growing peppers in a cold climate, uh, the one thing I miss while I'm up there is tasty, spicy foods that make me sweat from the insides. So we yeah. have a podcast about a few episodes ago. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll be paying attention because, yeah, I, I do it, it, intend to build a greenhouse once I've got a shed finished. Uh, that's my, that's my current ongoing project to pick up again in spring. Um, wintertime, it's a little rough to carry a lot of materials in. So I yeah. put a lot of the construction projects on hold. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So Fair enough. Um, really good questions, guys. These are great. Yeah, I, that, that's all I've got is just those like weird things. Like, you've known me for a few years. I'm like, you're going the off grid away from the peoples. There's been a giant, like, kind of chub of mine. And I'm like, you know, but just you've done it for a year. Mm-hmm. I know you know quite a bit more for me for many scenarios and everything, but just understanding that concept of like this may be something you know you said you don't have a green thumb and it's just like i can't grow a tomato to save my life and i'm like i like salsa but i don't want to go buy food so i'm like you know that's a barrier everybody you know at that point where it's just like what's your comfort food what's your regular thing that you're willing to at least say as it is now to be like i could live off eating tacos nachos and like pulled pork okay well you need to figure out how to make all that per year in this one period yeah right and if you can't you need to understand the fact that do you do this do you that how do you grow whatever how do you make extra income because living off grid you know the hassles of getting to and from work for a minimum wage job is you know, pennies on the dollar of what you're actually going to take home, considering everything, right? All that stuff where I'm like, you know, it's it's just something to hear, like someone that's like taking that plunge that 
everybody wishes they could take and nobody wants to take mm. to at least you know say hey you did it for a year you're not that far away from civilization you're in it right now not too far from us thankfully because we're going right. to do supper but very cool you know you've had that challenge like not just the yes. weekend like everybody right. can say like oh i can live you know i took two days away from technology yep like i i can do the off-grid thing and an apocalypse thing but like you took a year of it where i'm like that's a steep learning curve compared to someone wanting to take like a few days away from like having no tickety talk and, it like, is a serious pictures, but, like, up. <laughs> but like you know they took pictures but then uploaded everything three days later on their instagram their facebook their tiktok and their the humanity their, it's three days old that's not the, new at all <laughs> yeah exactly right so i'm like you took that leap and said like hey i'm a fairly outdoor guy i know a bunch of stuff these are my downfalls and like relating that info to everything or to everybody that like you know that's one of my like diehard dreams i want like 200 acres oh. i'll go wash dishes at tim hortons twice a week to pay for the land tax and i'm gonna have chickens you know this that everything and like a two acre garden and we're gonna sell everything that we don't use at the farmer's market or at the end of my property I'm like I'm gonna hunt for my food. That's my ultimate dream. May never happen, but like this is the starting point. Understanding the simple concepts that you have taken into that one-year challenge you did, where you know you didn't have the complication, or I sh shouldn't even say complication, but like no pets. Um, no, no pets. No, no one else that's just like, well, I don't want to eat stew. I don't like the gravy flavor. And it's just like, you know, you did it for you. It took a year's worth of everything. You were like, I can survive on this. I can figure this out without you know, someone else saying, oh, I don't want this. Or I like the gravy for a week, but now I'm going vegan. <laughs> right, because somehow they got on the socialist medias, right? So now you got to figure out how do they eat like I don't know pine trees, but without hurting the pine tree by ripping the things out, right? Like, so it's it's just nice to see, right? Like someone who has been doing this and understood everything and has taken many of those challenges on way prior to going off grid and putting all those things into practice and coming back and just being like hey, you know what, there's still a lot I need to learn is hopefully an awakening for some people that think they can handle everything. I hope so. Um, you know, it's it's a great point you're making that a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't be ready to take that plunge and you brought up, you know, having others who are depending on you, um, you know, like children, Or, or not even spouse, depending on you, but just um, different eating habits. Like, I... I may be potential to live off Campbell's Chunky Soup for a year. But <laughs> someone else is just like, I have one can and I'm like, I don't want to fucking touch it for a year. So that's a whole other food prep. Oh, yeah. Worry about, right? well, one thing I can, I can certify is that you'll never know if you're capable of doing it if you don't go out and try it. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Now, if you don't want to have a miserable time of it, it's probably better to try it out in little chunks first. So, for example, I had enough stupid little chunks. That's good. Well, so, well played. Like well I played. had a, I had an off the grid trailer, and one summer I took nothing but long weekends for vacation. 
So I didn't have a one week vacation the entire summer, but I had a five day weekend, no, sorry, a four day weekend every weekend for two months straight that summer. And I got to do that and live off the grid, you know, half of the week during the summertime. And so that kind of prepped me. And then uh, I started going hunting in places where there was no power grid at all. So I'm used to going 24 seven without uh, a convenient power source other than your vehicle. And you don't want to run that for nothing, right? So um, you can build up to taking that giant leap that I took. Um, and before going up there to live full time, I went up there at first for you know one week, then it was 10 days and it was two weeks. And then all of a sudden I was up there for three months and so on and so forth. And then I realized that, you know what, I love being off the grid. And, and once you find your comfort level that works for you, um, it doesn't seem like as much work anymore. <laughs> but what will happen is when you come visit your friends or family who do live fully on the grid, you will, every time you'll hit that switch, or turn that top water, you'll have a little chuckle inside and go like, look at that, eh? Right? And that's what happens to me. <laughs> so, so you'll either have, like, understand the concept of, like, having to live off-grid or understanding the, like, oh, my God, like, me going to the bathroom and going flush is just, like, a whole new world for that yeah. person. It's been, like, the reliance of that, like, Go lean against a tree every time you have to go to the bathroom for five days yep. compared to sitting in your bathroom that has heat, has a fan so that you don't smell it, and you don't smell yesterday's. Mm -hmm. right? Like, or or, or here's, a be here's a better one. What to do with all of it? Yesterday? What to do when you've been up there for a week? Do you keep finding yeah. another tree? Or do you run yeah. out of trees and you start tripping in it? You know, mm. how do you dispose of it? Do you oh, put it into a pit? Do you burn it? Do you uh, do you, you put dry it in compost your watermelon garden? Right? You put it in your watermelon garden <laughs> and you sell the watermelons. Don't eat the watermelon, but sell oh, the watermelon. Oh, if you can export them, even better, right? <laughs> oh, this this might be a good spot to jump in and uh, yeah. maybe yeah, say we need good. a part two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be fine with me, but it was a pleasure chatting with y'all, man. Yeah, we're, we're hitting the uh, two hour and 15 mark, and uh, I think we're almost at a record wow. for uh, yeah, for episode length, which is fantastic. Impressive. It, it is impressive. There's yeah. been a lot of really, really good information in this episode. I think absolutely Thank you. we need an episode number two. Uh, because sounds great to me. I, I love your questions, man. You're you're making me think about it, and that's <laughs> good. Oh, it's awesome. I've you're, been drinking. You're an awesome wealth you of knowledge, too. Someone that's lived the not. off grid life for a year, yeah, is just fantastic. Yeah. Because a lot of us just and simply then, haven't done that. So we don't have the experience of going through this, living off of our preps, and saying, "I've been there. I've done it. I've learned these lessons." And the fact that you're willing to come out here and share that with us and the audience is just fantastic. It's a great insight into something that most of us have not gone through. And, I and thank that you. hard of someone saying, I'm going to take my family off grid and their kids or yeah. significant others growing up in like the off grid where I'm like, they don't understand the concept of like you turn a tap and water comes out because yep. like 
no, we need to go get the water or whatever. But like that hard disconnect between the like growing off grid and like saying, I think this would be best to try and everything is, yeah, fantastic. That's awesome. I, I got to visit a couple of off grid homes way earlier in my journey. And that gave me, um, I guess, the vision that it's possible, but I hadn't yet defined it for myself. And I guess you could say I'm still defining it for myself, uh, but it's been a really wonderful learning experience. And I would wish for anybody who wants to go that route to do it. Jump into it with both feet. Don't be afraid. The one thing that will kill you before you even lift a finger out there in the bush is being afraid don't be afraid a cougar uh, uh it's a different kind of cougar if you're in <laughs> <laughs> and uh that's a really great comment down there stay safe and carry your weapon i've always got something on me always um allegedly 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 right. but i've always got something it's on live, me it's, it's recorded it's 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 a useful tool when you're living in the bush <laughs> You're supposed to have tools with you, um, so it's expected. I go to town with knife and Gerber, uh, my multi-tool on the side of my, you know, fully open, and nobody even bats an always, eyelash and says always. anything. Yeah. It's a tool. In town, here in the city, they look at me a bit more funny when I walk around with all of that on, but I've gotten so used to it, it's like wearing a watch. Yep. Um, and it probably would be the same for anybody who gets into the habit. So it's the same for living yeah. off-grid. You can turn it into a habit, and I would love to turn this into a habit and come back and tell you more about what I'm absolutely. learning and as it goes on. We would absolutely well, welcome you back anytime, whether we're talking about this stuff or we're talking about something else. You're welcome to come back and chat with us. We're not anytime. we're not doing this rechat on 200 though, because we might have something. This is true. Yes, episode 200 right. is coming up. We got something going on then. Welcome to come and join okay. us you for 200. 199. Or 201. Yep. <laughs> I would love to. It's, or, it's been great hanging out with you. Or join us on 200 as well. It's, yep. I just might yep. do that too. I'll probably be lurking around. You've opened the door awesome. now. Yep. That's you it. know how it is. Yep. When you open the door. Yep. You know how to get <laughs> in now. Around. Yep. We're not getting rid of you. Got it. Right on. When you open Appreciate up the door, so the smell goes to everybody. Oh, that's a different That's kind of a door. different door. Yeah. That's right. And that's good uh, with me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Shall we move oh, thanks, into guys. the podcast challenge? So podcast challenge for this episode is find a piece of equipment that you rely on. Get a second one. Simple as that. I, I would even go as far as learning how to troubleshoot. That, yeah. The one. Perfect. Find a piece of equipment. Not even just on. getting a second one. If you cannot get a second rely one, on this. or even if you can, yeah. learn how to fix it as well. Perfect. Brilliant. Yeah. Le- learn to troubleshoot. You may not be able, like, say your generator is your one thing and you blow a cylinder. You may not be able to learn how to do an oil change, do your maintenance on the it basics. instead of buying a second one. Yeah, I would just, I would even extend that. Get a second one or learn the basic simple things where you can troubleshoot before using your secondary for something so simple that you're bringing it to someone and they're like oh you didn't turn the <laughs> gas on on something and you're like son of a right yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> let's hear it for the backups absolutely absolutely yeah. Yeah. Uh, upcoming <laughs> do both. upcoming events do both. we've still got uh, the annual preppers meet coming up in desborough ontario july 6th to the 9th 
Uh, they have put a call out for volunteers. So I have put in the live chat link for that. So they're looking for uh, some folks to put in some time and help them out with some things. So uh, if you're interested in uh, lending a hand, check out the link. And uh, even if you're not able to volunteer, if you just want to come out and check out the event, it is a fantastic event. Definitely worth the uh, the trip out and uh, go learn uh, some new skills because you'll definitely have some available to you there. If I lived closer, and I would hopefully volunteer. it'll help off grid. Yeah. Awesome, Jeff. You got a weather blurb? Yeah, I'll try and be quick. We're going a long ways here. Uh, so We're if you're anywhere record, in the eastern U.S., yeah, if you're anywhere in the eastern U.S., be on the lookout for a nor'easter coming up in the next few days. Um, chances are, are getting more and more higher. It's going to happen. So we're talking like Southern New York state, New York city, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, all those places you're, you're going to get it. Uh, it could potentially in some spots reach uh, blizzard criteria, uh, impact on the Maritimes is still to be determined. I'll, uh, update the discord when I get more information. Um, at the same time, there's another atmospheric river heading for California, dumping more rain, more snow in the higher elevations. Um, while it's great for the drought and, uh, basically all of California, there are no more exceptional or extreme drought statuses in the state of California. Um, and, um, so, you know, while that's great for them, of course, the, the flooding isn't, but. Sometimes you got to take the good with the bad. Uh, they had to open the spillway and drain water from Lake Orville Dam for the first time since night or sorry since 2019. Um, just to give everybody a, like an idea of trying to grasp the concept of how much rain they've really had. Think about a lake and how much water it's going to take to raise a lake one, two, three feet. Uh, December 31st. Lake Orville was at 700 feet. It's presently at 840. So, wow. uh, that's a yeah, lot so you're, you're talking about 140 feet of water in less than three months. So, um, they've, they've had, I mean, they needed it desperately, but like I say, uh, sometimes there's too much of a good thing, but, um, I think it'll do them well for in the future. And obviously none of that water's counting all of the snow that still needs to melt. And there's 30, 40 feet of that in spots that needs to melt. So anyways, that's it. Thanks. All right. Well, with that, I'll bring episode number 198 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Please help us out. Take a second to submit a review, not a one star. <laughs> It does help other people find us. And if you're in the pre-chat, everybody well, gets one that. one star for you. <laughs> <laughs> and we do, we should, sorry, we do record these shows live on Facebook, although maybe we shouldn't anymore do it live. Maybe we should put a delay in there. No, no, live is way better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast. Click the notifications tab. This gives you an alert when we're going live. If anybody wants to reach me, I'm at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca or I'm frequently on our Discord. <laughs> if anybody wants to reach out, I'm at uh, batbradcpp at gmail.com. Um. 
you can potentially reach me probably by significant other mail um, off the wall customizing at gmail or all the socialist medias um, if you want me on discord because technically I'm signed up to it but I don't check it um, send me a personal message or you can find me Monday nights where I end up a little bit more spicy on my critiquing of the government oh I don't know if it could have got more spicy Pierre it got a little spicy tonight. Ooh, do I have a few episodes you may not have listened to? Because I have gone on some side tangents on that one. Oh, um, but yeah, um, yeah, and um, keep an eye on the socialist medias for off the wall customizing. We potentially have a brand new machine that you probably can't see or understand, but uh, a few people have seen some of the products that we came out of it. The laser. I am having a. I am having a fucking blast. <laughs> it is awesome. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of new shit that can come out of it. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, cool. yeah, it's cool. All right, Frugal Gunny, where can everybody find you? Well, uh, again, another good question. I've recently waded my toes into the cesspool of social media. So you will find <laughs> me on Facebook. <laughs> uh, I've even posted a link to uh, my newest video on there. I don't have any friends yet, so feel welcome to friend me. Um, I don't care to see anybody from countries who are trying to scam me. So, you know, Fair enough. get away. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they'll all come no matter what. Uh, I'm also, of course, on the YouTube. So I'm on the Facebook. I'm on the Gram. Uh, that's what I got for now. And it's Frugal Gunny across the board on all of them. Awesome. I put a link in the live chat awesome. for those of you that are watching so you can follow through there and Thank you. definitely check out his videos. Uh, for me, Much you can uh, check it. out rapidsurvival.com and get me there on the live chat. You can also email me at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So uh, thanks for joining us for this episode. Until next time, uh, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning. <laughs> <laughs>